Tell us about, I don't know, your kid. My kid? Hmm. You got a lot to say about that, right? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Tell I us do. about Cars 2. Uh, <laughs> oh, the best cars, actually. <laughs> Way better than the, the, the original? So the original is really good. Yeah. Uh, a lot like A New Hope. Oh, okay. But this is the uh, Empire yeah, Strikes yeah. Back of like Cars. God, yeah. Godfather 2. <laughs> yeah. Even so, better, yeah. So Cars 1 is just simply <laughs> about, <laughs> about Lightning McQueen finding his way in this world and understanding the importance of friendship. Right? Oh, yeah, like that's, yeah. Pretty you, standard stuff. Yeah, thank you, Tomei. Mm-hmm. All right, played mm-hmm. by the uh, yeah, Toe Mater played by um, Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, I almost said Bill Engvall, <laughs> and I was like, one of the other rednecks. Uh, yeah, yeah, Larry the Cable Guy. I think taught mm-hmm. Matthew McConaughey about. Uh, I thought it was Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson is Owen Wilson. Okay, yeah. Yeah. he taught Owen Wilson about the value. In of my defense, they sound a lot. <laughs> Owen Wilson and Matthew McConaughey. They all do. Right, all right. Wow. Wow. They wow. do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that one, you know, he's just trying to win races and Mm -hmm. and be true to himself. Mm -hmm. The second one's a spy movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's about like a like (laughs) billionaire who wants to like destroy like or make a bunch of money on oil or something. It's a kids movie, though. so yeah. it's it's a little bit more dramatic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it just like there's a lot more like ding, 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 ding. You know? Yeah. Like, Wait. So are they like? What happens? They're slipped into a foreign country, or uh, so is there international intrigue? So Lightning McQueen gets called out on TV by an Italian racer, oh. right? That he's not fast enough, so he gets like called into like an international like tour to like it's like a Grand Prix right, right in Europe. So he goes to do it, and then uh, Mater gets inadvertently pulled into a spy storyline where there's like a spy car, two spy cars, and he's like got to do shit, like yeah. go under disguise, and you know, in the end, he figures it out and saves the day. Spoilers. Kids movie spoilers, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, the I hero mean, saves the day. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. I I really like it when uh, when they subvert expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, in kids' movies, and that, everyone dies. What, what about the third one? Is there a third one? Yeah, there's a third one. That's and actually that's darker? about passing the torch to a new generation of uh, racers. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's I like that. Yeah. And, I, and it just never ends. I gotta say, the one kids' movie that really threw me for a loop was Shape of Water. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't think that sea monster was gonna fuck that girl. You mean when she's fingering herself in the bathtub? That was. <laughs> so I didn't actually see the movie. I didn't <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Laughing Historically with Adam Latz, Adam Cooney, and Dr. History Scholar. Welcome to Laughing Historically. I'm your host, Adam Lax, and we have uh, Adam Coonan on the ones and twos. And Michael, Dr. Dr. History Sage Scholar the Third. Oh, oh he's now. a third. He's I, a descendant. I, I do think <laughs> other great doctor history <laughs> sages. sages. You know, our life cycles are are really short. Uh, you know, since we started this podcast, I've now apparently had two iterations. Who are you descended from? Who, who, doctor, who, Doctor Sage Scholar the first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who well, what was his claim? <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, you just uh, why would you ask me that? I'm deeply offended. <laughs> you, you mean you mean he was making podcasts yes. in 1935? Or he was something? making podcasts in the Library of Alexandria when it burned down. That and that's how he died. Wow. 
So thanks for bringing that up. (laughs) (laughs) He was the first and you're the third? Because I have some lifespan questions now. (laughs) You know, uh, it was... Are you you a thousand years old? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it depends on who you ask, right? You know, uh, (laughs) you're actually a vampire. Uh, (laughs) Michael's uh, biologically human age, but emotionally (laughs) 1,000 years old. He's read enough history that he's just like, my mind is like the cracks in the stone in the mountains. I've transcended time and space. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's do... Yeah. uh, So we're going to start out with uh, this day in history. Yeah. So uh, today is February 19th. And I have three, and I'm doing them every every other time. I've done them directly in chronological order, but I'm saving the middle one for last because it's going to tickle both of you. So, tickle. Uh, uh, and this day, I'm going to need you to ask me for consent first. <laughs> okay. okay. So in 1807, <laughs> Do you get, I consent to you. Crack out that. No, no, that that's that's the third one. Oh. So the first two, I don't, I don't. Right, wait. Consent. Yeah. So in 1807, uh, former Vice President of the United States Aaron Burr was arrested on charges for treason in Wakefield, Alabama, and confined to an army fort. Burr was apparently planning to establish an independent country in what is now the southwest United States and northern Mexico with British and, Fran- uh, British and Spanish aid. Really? Well, luckily, that was the last time Alabama ever did treason. <laughs> Aaron Burr really got it out of the way for them. Aaron, Aaron Burr. I thought it, he just shot... Alexander Hamilton, and that was it. No, that, that was, was just like the beginning his... of him being a terrible person. Oh. I, uh, I'm not a fan of Aaron Burr. Wow, I didn't, I didn't know about that. That's, yeah. that's quite a. He, uh, he a only fun got story. off of, he only got off of the treason charge from like the very specific nature of the way treason is defined in the U.S. Constitution. But he wasn't charged for murder of Alexander Hamilton. Uh, no, because it was a duel, yeah, and yeah. duels are not murder. It's kind of a gray area. Yeah. Back, back then, it was really interesting. You didn't 18... have to consent for sex, but you did have to consent for murder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a real weird, well, crazy and, time. As long as there's honor at stake, well, then murder. And, and okay. when, when I, you know, I was reading a, a book about the beginning of the U.S. Navy, and the U.S. Navy had to, um, uh, had to outlaw dueling because too many young naval officers were killing each other <laughs> over really stupid things. And the Navy's like, there aren't that many of you. Like, yeah. we can't we can't just constantly be having you shoot each other. It's, it's uh, too bad. I mean, Nixon yeah. was in the Navy, right? Yeah. I feel so like everyone in the Army was like, are you sure? Mm. <laughs> they can't just shoot each other? So uh, <laughs> We want to. And then in 1913, uh, Pedro Lascarine, I'm, I'm going to pronounce that name incorrectly, uh, became uh, becomes the president of Mexico for 45 minutes during General Huerta's military coup. Uh, he resigned in favor of Huerta and retired from public life. His tenure is the shortest of any person in any country to have ever wait, been a wait, president. What year was this? 1913. So the, the actual government, the, the president and vice president, uh, whose names are eluding me, uh, Huerta overthrew them in a military coup. Uh, and this... This guy was the foreign minister at the time. And so the way the Constitution was written is that the next in line after the president and vice president is the foreign minister, and the person in line after them is the attorney general. So uh, this guy appoints Huerta attorney general and then resigns, right? So his 45 minutes in office are 
men with guns aimed at you know men men with guns aiming those guns at him and and general Huerta being like so i'm i'm attorney general now right he was like yeah absolutely uh and then he resigned and then you know just went back he'd been a lawyer so he just went back to practicing law for the next like 20 years of his life is it bad of me to say that he he's literally the speedy gonzalez of presidents <laughs> Is that evil? It might be just a little bit. I might have Maybe. to cut this one out, actually. <laughs> oh, no, guys. No. I just said it one Cringy, time. Cringy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> canceled. Yeah. Adam, you shouldn't have said that. You're for canceled. The <laughs> so, so now, do I have your consent? Adam, yeah, for this all right. Third one? Just wait. To tickle us? Yeah, to tickle. I don't. I don't see no dinner. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, 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 yeah. So drum roll, please. So, friend of the in 1859, friend of the pod and the Adams's favorite Union general, Dan Sickles. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Call back. Dan Sickles was acquitted for murder of Philip Barton Key on this day in 1859 wow. after shooting him in broad daylight. We should celebrate, uh, <laughs> Michael. Michael. <laughs> He was insane at the time. <laughs> he was technically insane he, at the time. How was, dare you? He was technically insane. Yeah. I suppose he, 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 he's a great president. I just God, I just love. You know, I feel like I'm an everyman. You guys agree, right? Yeah. I'm not. You know, I'd I'm not that. a richy rich guy. I don't. You're come not a from coastal wealth. elite. Yeah, I'm not a coastal elite like Adam over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, guilty. <laughs> uh, there is a part of me that just wish I wished I had the fucking like. Just swag and like street cred to just be like, yeah, I was crazy. Judge fucking high fives me. I finger guns the jury and just walk out. It's fine. The president of the United States himself is like, yeah, he's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. Um, Alrighty. All right, all right, all right. So are we ready? Yeah. Okay, so today... Uh, we were talking about three, Theodore Roosevelt's early life. Yay! Oh, so I'm, I'm, Michael's so excited. To talk about, <laughs> I, he's been like waiting oh, talking I, about I, Roosevelt, I, and I'm, I'm only doing the, like the first 25 years. Right? This yeah. is going to be a multi-part project. If, if Michael's going to be standing the whole time. <laughs> if, if, uh, dear listeners, if you hear any like thumps during this podcast, <laughs> it's, it's Michael's dick hitting the bottom of the table. <laughs> So <laughs> fully erect. <here. laughs> so so on uh, on April twenty fifth, eighteen sixty five, Abraham Lincoln's funeral procession wound its way through Manhattan. The president's body had been traveling by train from Washington D.C. through Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. It would go on to travel through upstate New York, Ohio, Indiana, and northern Illinois before depositing the slain Lincoln in the hometown in his hometown of Springfield. Watching all of this from the second floor window was a six-year-old boy, the future president, Theodore Roosevelt. There's a photograph of Lincoln's funeral procession going through Manhattan, and there is an open window on the second floor, and you can see Theodore Roosevelt and his brother Elliot wow. sitting up in that window. They captured that moment? Yeah. Um, wow. And, and so, you know, the future, the, the 16th president of the United States is going past, and the 26th president is watching it. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to watch uh, go through Roosevelt's early life, uh, roughly from the year 1858, that's the year he was born, to 1884. Uh, and we'll see if there's an appetite for more of this once once we're done. But if we, <laughs> and, you know, mainly 
my two hostages here will just have to continue listening to Theodore Roosevelt there, stuff. There <laughs> is a certain level of like, uh, like he was a kid and he's mm-hmm. watching the president get mm-hmm. marched dead yeah. through the streets and he's like, I want me yeah, some of that. Dude, <laughs> some of the shit that killed that guy, I want some of that power. You know. All right, cool. Yeah. So part one, okay. the unlikely rise of T.D., so Theodore Roosevelt Jr. was born T.D. Yeah, that was that, that was his family's nickname was, for him. Okay. Oh. Yeah, he never actually liked the name Teddy. No one called him that. Oh. Uh, but his family uh, calls him calls him T.D. Did he like T.D.? Because that's like I don't really see a huge distinction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two so, pretty lame nicknames. Yeah. Uh, President Theodore uh, Theodore Roosevelt Jr. was born on October twenty seventh, eighteen fifty eight, in New York City. The second child and first uh, son of Theodore Sr. and Martha Mitty Bullock. The family he was born into was one of Dutch descent that had existed in Manhattan Ew. since the 1600s. As a person of Dutch descent, I, I guess I'm passively interested in that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm super proud, I guess. They had become, the Roosevelts had become fabulously wealthy and engaged in all the things that mid-19th century wealthy people did. Business, parties, and philanthropy. Theodore's grandfather, uh, philandering, philanthropy. I feel. I was gonna say. I feel like you're missing some things. <laughs> Where, where's, where's hunting people on islands? I feel like you're missing. Like, did did they do the fox thing, or was that like kind no, of exclusively that, British? That's that's pretty British. And oh. and in in this particular instance, uh, we'll we'll talk about his parents. His parents are actually as far as wealthy white people in new york in the 1860s go are decent people uh with, you know low bar yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say that's uh... but they're not the worst people um in particular his father and we'll get to that um <laughs> they didn't specifically hire bodyguards to sweep the poor away from them <laughs> down the street like get out of here you poor oh. so so theodore roosevelt's grandfather uh, whose name was Cornelius, had an estimated net worth of about $500,000 in 1860 dollars. Uh, all of this at so the time, that he was bought like one half of million dollars. <laughs> he bought one half of a DC home. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I read a different. There was a book I read for an episode that's coming up where this economist made the argument that. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, what do you think should we keep that one in or should oh, we sorry for the uh, for the listeners no, uh michael uh michael sage scholar just burped directly into the microphone <laughs> you're welcome man that makes me want to hook up microphones to everyone's <laughs> mouths and assholes just everything that could possibly make noise from every episode so, all right uh, but, function. but this this uh, economic historian who was writing in 2006 so that the the, the Ratio might be different now, but he's basically like any amount of money from the 1860s, 1870s to translate it effectively into modern dollars, you need to multiply it by like 12 or 13, right? So $500,000 would be, if you multiply that by 12, is like $6 million roughly uh, in in today's dollars. So. just so average Joe, like, like, it's just like <laughs> well, uh, today's America. Yeah. What? Well, and that, and then that's in 2006, right? So, you know, inflation yeah, but, has gone up still right, since then. So right. the, the, the multiplication might need to be different. Right. Now. Well, but not only that, but like, 
but even if it's like in 2006, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not like someone who owns the means of production. No, like no, they're no, well no. off. Well, yeah, it, okay. I mean, they, they, the the Roosevelts. How do they make their money? They they owned uh, like a glass factory and some stores. <laughs> Um, okay. I love it how every time from this period in American history, when you say they owned, everyone goes. So highly exploitive factory. Good, good, good. So, so he, but they paid them fifty cents a day. Yeah. No, I mean that that's literally the next line. So he had five hundred thousand dollars at a time when the average laborer made about fifty cents a day. Uh, so the idyllic life that uh, this idyllic life was interrupted. Did at the candy shop? Um, <laughs> when Ted <laughs> Adam, I got a on that one. <laughs> uh, Michael, there's a there's this thing called hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> it exists, <laughs> and I made a fifty cents fifty oh, okay. cent reference. All right. So uh, Teddy develops uh, Teddy develops asthma around the age of, of six or seven. Um, and some of his earliest memories are of his father putting them into their family's carriage and racing through the streets in an attempt to, like, drive air into his lungs because it's 1863 and they don't really know how <laughs> science works. Yeah, some yeah, real yeah. 1863 um, logic right wait, there. And, and Wait, they, they put him on his, their backs and, like, ran him through the streets? Of no, no, they put him in the carriage, oh, like, the- in the passenger seat because it's open-topped. Okay. And then he would just race through the streets as fast as he could to, to bring to air. To get the wind in, into, yeah, his, into, into, into his, lungs. his lungs. Yeah. Wow, that, 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 that's... <laughs> if there's one thing that... Is, is that what inhalers are filled with? Like, <laughs> just the street wind. <laughs> A lot of coal dust in inhalers. Street wind and coal dust. It's yeah, great. If there's anything that cures asthma, it's a fucking high-speed carriage accident. Where... <laughs> Yep. I mean, seriously, those things weren't built that no. great. Wheel comes off, he dies. Like that's how that works. So, uh, so Theodore Roosevelt would say later. He goes, "Quote: I, I was a sickly, delicate boy, suffered much from asthma, and frequently had to be taken away on trips to find a place where I could breathe. One of my memories is of my father walking up and down the room with me in his arms at night when I was a very small person, and of sitting up." In bed, gasping, with my father and mother trying to help me. Wow. End quote. So, you know, he suffered really badly from asthma. Yeah. Um, and he never. It, it's it's interesting. Basically, part of the reason he you don't hear about this, you know, later in his life is partially he doesn't live in New York anymore. Right. Oh. He lives out in places where the air is <laughs> yeah, clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he also he also part of his like whole thing of exercising and things like that like he built up sort of lung capacity and he you know, mm-hmm. built up chest muscles in particular which seems to have helped someone um, I, I i think yeah. honestly the most interesting thing mm-hmm. about what you just said mm-hmm. Is that it was a father in the 1860s who gave a shit? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. crazy. like his dad yep. wasn't just like, ah, let him yeah, die. Yeah, I'll yeah, put yeah. another one in you. You know what I mean? Like, so, <laughs> so next suck sentence. it up, Jim. We do this all the time. Yeah. We do this all the time. Yeah. Theodore Roosevelt's Maybe. parents are an interesting pair, and I think it's useful to take some time here to sketch them out. So Theodore Roosevelt Senior, his dad, was nicknamed Greatheart by their family. That's that was their nickname for him. Great Heart. The dad's Great name Heart, was Great Heart. Yeah. Was that was his nickname, yeah. Great Heart. So when they referred okay. to their dad, they would be like Great Heart 
The yes, third. It sounds like a great Game of Thrones character. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and if you ever see a picture of him, he definitely deserved it. He's tall. He has this big beard. He has these piercing eyes. They're blue, but all of the photographs are in black and white. But he has mm-hmm. piercing blue eyes. Uh, he was a lion of a man, right? Um, he was involved in philanthropy. And as far as patricians at the time were involved in politics, he was. But he, he was an anti-slavery Lincoln Republican. Um, was Tammany Hall? Was yeah, and he hated. Oh, he but... hated Tammany Hall. One because he's a Republican, but two, he oh, also right. has. You know, they're Democrats. But part uh, the other part of it is he finds it all very, you know, disgusting. Wait, right? are you saying that it's it's not like super cool to just pay people to vote a certain way multiple times in <laughs> yeah. the same election? Oh, well, yeah, okay. and he but he and also helped the Irish. Or... Yeah, and helped the <laughs> Irish. <laughs> you know, you gotta take the good with the bad, right? You know. Uh... <laughs> so Mitty, on the other hand, his his mother's nickname is Mitty. Uh, she was a Southern belle from a slaveholding family in Georgia. Um, oh, I did. I do <laughs> say you've got the biggest heart I've ever seen, sir. Theodore would say of his mother that she was, quote, unreconstructed to the day of her death, end quote. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. Oh, no. Great. Now, Greatheart did most of the parenting, right? Really? Uh, Mitty was a... Uh, a did most of the parenting, but Mitty had instilled in her son a love of heroes and adventure. Like her family, you know, the Roosevelt family in in Theodore Roosevelt's mind is really boring. They were they were just Dutch merchants. Okay. Her family, she had <laughs> it was like Gone with the Wind, like plantations. Well, it's not just that. Like she had descendants who fought in the American Revolution, mm-hmm. like in the army, and she had you know some of her descendants or her ancestors. Sorry, her ancestors had fought in the Revolution, and they'd you know, been privateers during the war. Like, it, they'd, then, they'd done these heroic actions in the past. And all the Roosevelts had done in the past has been, like, upstanding moral individuals who, you know, made decent livings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. <laughs> it was real boring. Yeah, there's nothing more heroic <laughs> yeah. than shooting a bunch of merchants on their <laughs> yeah, own shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find that so fascinating, too. But, and... and Again, Michael, you would mm-hmm. know a lot more about this than mm-hmm. I would. But at the time, if you look at the South, the mm-hmm. American South, right? Mm-hmm. You look at like it, it's mm-hmm. so many, like Atlanta mm-hmm. is called Atlanta mm-hmm. because the people who founded it were like Atlantis mm-hmm. is like a thing Socrates talked about yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was very, they were like, they were kind of wrapped up in the classics. Mm-hmm. And the classics were wrapped up in like Hellenic Greek heroism and it's just so interesting to me to see that through line through history like Mm -hmm. the same thing that alexander the great was like fuck the persians (laughs) it's the same thing that teddy roosevelt was like yeah fuck everyone who's not american i'm not sure (laughs) more or less i I mean you know uh but and it's interesting he you know we can talk about this in a in a a possible future episode he's he is roosevelt in foreign policy his bark's way worse than his bite right like the united states doesn't go to war while he's president, right? And it doesn't even, like, do shady shit. Like, well, it does do shady shit in, in, in Panama, uh, you know, to, to get the Panama Canal. Who, but, who, but at the time, Panama wasn't, like, an independent nation, if I remember. No, no. We, we, yeah, it was part of Colombia, and we had offered the Colombians money to build a canal, mm-hmm. and they said it's not enough money. So our response was Let's to, make was to allow the Panamanians to win 
their revolution. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we sent a couple of gunboats yeah. to the to the region and and told the and recognized the Panamanian government and God told. Damn it. Yeah, it, was this Grand Colombia? Like it was like the. If I no, remember, it's just it's just Colombia. It doesn't. It, it's not the. It's not the one that like includes Venezuela and. Uh, yeah, because it was. It was. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting. Bolivar. The name, Bolivar. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's been dead for like 50 years oh, by okay, the time okay. this is. This is because that is a, like that is a distinction. Yeah, I think yeah. that matters. There's a difference between being like, all right, they're already kind of like a fractured. Mm-hmm. Let's just get our fucking canal, canal? or whatever. Yeah. Versus like, hey, let's undermine this completely like politically. Well, I mean, like, the Panamanians had apparently risen in revolt like 13 times in the previous 50 years um and the reason they lost is there's you know not a lot of them yeah, compared yeah. to the rest of colombia um but well, that what was what, distinctive about the panamanians that they wanted to yeah, rise up i don't i honestly i don't know i just know that like basically the only reason that the revolution that they staged worked was that the united states deployed part of its navy off the coast and told the, right. the colombian government in no uncertain terms, <laughs> we have recognized Panama as an independent country. It'd be a real shame if we had to start shelling your yeah, ports yeah, yeah. because you attacked our new best friend. Uh, oh my God! The- Meanwhile, the French are looking at America like, "Oh, our son has a grown up. <laughs> <laughs> they grow up so fast, <laughs> don't they?" The British are like, "What? What?" <laughs> uh, so <laughs> there's Britain and there's colonies. There's, Nothing the else. Two types of con- countries in the world. There's Britain colonies and the fucking French (laughs) (laughs) and what we and the only reason we don't I'm being French (laughs) watching you be French is like trying to watch a cat swim (laughs) they can do it they just don't like it (laughs) they're not comfortable the whole time the only reason we don't make the French a colony is they're all fucking French yeah yeah you don't want to do it (laughs) but uh, so so <laughs> Midi, I'm gonna get back to the, the story. Yeah, if right, I know. Right, we we, we want to hear Mike too. <laughs> We're on page two. Are there any more French accents? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Doctor Sid Scholar the Third, come on. So, so uh, the the you know Midi, Great Heart Theodore Roosevelt Senior does most of the actual parenting. Midi instills this love of adventure and heroism, um, and. The Ameri- while the couple is very loving, right? All of the contemporary accounts we have are they are genuinely in love with one another. They're a very mm-hmm. loving couple. The Civil War nearly pulls them apart. Um, the, uh, at the time of the war, can Theodore did, Adam, can you imagine the just hate fucking they did? <laughs> it's like, oh, you think the South should be independent? <laughs> Oh, you fucking limp dick Yankee. I'll show you a limp dick Yankee. Spank, spank, spank. And literally, we got Teddy Roosevelt out of it. He'd already been born. He's alive. Did he have any siblings? He has younger siblings. Okay. Um, We got Teddy Roosevelt's early childhood trauma from it. (laughs) So, um, Theodore Roosevelt Sr. is in his late 20s during the war, so he's like of prime military age. Uh, but since Mitty has brothers who are in the Confederate Army, like her entire family is living in Georgia, so she has brothers in Confederate service, oh. <laughs> and she begs her husband not to enlist. Um, and so he relents, and he hires a substitute, right? He pays his $300. Oh, that no. makes me so Oh, I know. I, so instead... <laughs> Adam, Adam gave it like the yeah. same look of yeah. just like, God, oh, yeah. f- you know. So instead, he works with the uh, the U.S. Sanitary Commission, 
which attempted to make the army a better place for the enlisted soldiers. So he would go around and he would make sure that the camps are clean and that the soldiers have enough to eat. And he would do things also like... Um, In New York City? No, he would travel around the oh. country. He, he, he was gone for large portions of the war visiting the armies. Um, and he would do things like try to try to encourage soldiers to like send some of their pay home to their families right because there's mm. no social safety net and do they really need the money right like they're being fed and clothed and, and yeah, housed yeah, right like yeah, yeah. but their wives or children back home don't have you know this person helping around um, like these sex know. workers don't pay themselves. Right. <laughs> uh, I do also like the idea that like it was all just like, all right, honey, I love you. I just don't want you to shoot my brothers. <laughs> it's really gonna put a wrench in this relationship if you put a bullet through my brother's face yeah. at Appomattox. I, I right bet if he might have deserved it. I, 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 oh, he does. She's like, oh, he does. I know. Oh, that's my brother. I, I, you know, half the time I want to shoot him in the face. <laughs> um, and so for this this action, um, is the this is the only action that Teddy Roosevelt feels ashamed of of his father he, he will say later in his life he goes the only thing my father ever did that was wrong was he didn't serve in the civil war mm. and and i have a note here there's a funny story during the war because Mitty roosevelt uh would like smuggle things out of new york for the south um and i don't like her yeah i know, I know. and oh, there's shit. a story that during the war uh his Mitty is attempting to discipline roosevelt and his response is that he's saying his prayers and he's praying very loudly for union victory. <laughs> he's like four years old and he's like, I, you know, God bless Abraham Lincoln. God save the union. And apparently Mitty found this really funny. Like she found it endearing. She's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. that's clever. Uh, Dad didn't find it so clever. <laughs> he's like, you should listen to your mom. Uh, <laughs> was she like low key what? rocking like the Confederate flag? And yeah. Stuff? Oh, they actually I think flew it at one point because her sister lives with them as well for a while. Uh, no, they're. I mean, when wow. he says she's unreconstructed to the day of her death, like she's like the South shall rise again. Yeah, kind of. Uh, you know, we're. Why shouldn't I be able to buy anti-aircraft weaponry at a flea market? All right? That's just what we do in the South. It's like, and his dad is just like, where's his dad from again? Like specifically, like, he's from Manhattan. He's from Manhattan. Yeah, the, the so entire, like, the entire. It's like a kooky odd couple situation. Yeah, yeah, like, like, and what could I say? She fucks like a bitch. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you can give me a little bit of yeah, slack yeah, here. Yeah. All right, she's. I, I did it all for the. Nokia. <laughs> <laughs> She's a freak of the sheets. What do you gotta know? So, Shit, I'm walking here. <laughs> He's from Manhattan, not Brooklyn. I don't know the What's difference. I've never been to New York. I, they all sound like that. Yeah, uh, I've never been to New York. Manhattan's got the accent. Did a show. I've been to Long and, Island once, and it was yeah, whatever. So Theodore Roosevelt. Was, I did a show and ate shit. <laughs> I bombed real hard, just so everyone knows. New York is not a You're fan You're on notice. <laughs> I'm sorry, New York. Honestly, as one of the biggest demographics in the country, we love you. Go New York. Yankees! <laughs> uh, but Theodore Roosevelt Sr. Uh, was greatly involved in philanthropy. He followed the social gospel, uh, which made it his duty to help the less fortunate. 
Uh, he worked with orphans, the sick, the disabled, and uh, newsboys. Just not the Irish. There's no... <gasps> he worked with newsboys? Yeah. Like in the classic newsies? Disney movies, Newsies? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Did he do chorus numbers? <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> Uh, but he... I love that. My, Michael was like, no. And then looked immediately at his script. We're moving on from this nonsense. <laughs> he, 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 did, he, he legitimately did do a lot of philanthropy. And there's a story of apparently he, he never like actually had a job. Theodore, like Theodore Roosevelt Sr. is one of the younger sons of his, of his family. And so like the family business goes to one of his older brothers. So he just has a ton of money. Um, and he spends a lot of it trying to help poor people. And he was a huge uh, fundraiser for these sorts of things. And apparently he would go to his wealthy friends and they would just immediately open their checkbook and be like, how much do you need? Like they know that that he's eventually going to convince them that this is the right thing to do. And they're just going to short circuit it and be like, how much do you need? Like, let's, let's I mean, that's this. an A plus trust fund kid, right? Yeah. Like that's about as good as you can do. Yeah. yeah trust fund kid. Really, yeah. You can't, yeah, yeah. And so, but the, problem is is that he never really thought about what actually caused poverty like he's very willing to like alleviate poverty but he never actually like digs into why are there all of these poor people mm. he's he feels very badly about it and he he wants to help he would talk about how he was he uh was and he didn't like democrats <laughs> 1850s democrats uh, remember uh, that 1850s democrats are the ones who like slavery yeah. i understand yeah. it was, i did it for the bit guy <laughs> <laughs> i can't let your jokes get in the way of the historical record <laughs> well i can't let the historical record get in the way of my jokes where did it pass <laughs> we <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like that's kind of par for the course for most people mm-hmm. at, at that time. Yeah, they're like, it, 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 you, you're poor because you, you know, didn't work hard enough. You didn't yeah. work hard enough. And you also God are doesn't ugly. love you. Well, and, 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 <laughs> you know, that's one of the that that is that's something where like this is at least not f- forgivable is the wrong word. It is understandable why people thought that in like the 1850s and 1860s because. In the 1820s and 30s, it in the United States, as a white person, your wealth was tied to how hard did you work? Because the opportunities were, in fact, there. The way that the society and the economy was set up, right? Well, there was there was always more land. There was always a way to like do things. This the wait, pro- whose land? Oh, I know. I, that's why I said white people, <laughs> white yeah, men, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? You know, and by the 1850s. With the rise of industrialization, where you know your job in a factory is at the whim of the guy who owns the factory, right? People didn't understand; it were not had not yet understood at all that like the concept of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps doesn't make any sense, right? Like they just they, luckily everyone understands that. Now. Oh yeah, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> and that's why yeah, I, we're and all that, and that's why I said but... like you can kind of understand where they're coming from here. This notion loses its value as you go through decades of the same problem over and over again that's so interesting to me like Mm -hmm. i you know we're Mm -hmm. a comedy podcast but like that's that's a really interesting concept to me that like at that time Mm -hmm. you like say you're a rich person you're looking at a poor person you Mm -hmm. go like just go Mm -hmm. just go out Mm -hmm. go go be fruitful and multiply because there's you know how many hundreds of thousands of square miles of decent farmland that you yeah. can stake your claim on but mm-hmm. like 
at the same time, like that shit was dangerous. Yeah. Right? It's not like you didn't give something up to go pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Oh, Pulling yeah. yourself up by the your bootstraps meant like, well, a mountain lion might kill yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, like, you I, didn't pull hard enough. Well, and, <laughs> that mountain lion pulled a lot harder. <laughs> than you. Well, uh, and and you know that's that's the reason for like the Homestead Act, mm-hmm. right? Was yeah. to was to sort of have an outlet, safety valve, as yeah. they might say. Yeah, to push out those other people. We don't have oh. any more safety valves. <laughs> we don't have them anymore. That's our, why where are our safety valves? I would. I would only like, fans. I would I like know. to. <laughs> 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 they're really pulling they're pulling boots after it. in the future everyone will have it only fans oh i hit the fucking mic again so um, a professional on only fans wouldn't have done that guys i'm sorry so theodore roosevelt senior was according to roosevelt he he said of his father quote the best man i ever knew and the only man of whom i was ever afraid that's what he says about Holy his father. fuck that reminds me of my dad <laughs> So no, for the mm-hmm. listeners, I I have a dead dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> you have the dead dad pants. Yeah, in <laughs> yeah. uh, the what? A, oh my god, I relate so hard to that because it, it like if I got in trouble as a kid, mm-hmm. I would both be immensely afraid of disappointing him. Mm-hmm. But then also immensely afraid of how angry he'd be. Like there were two separate yep. things, you know what I mean? The anger was like a separate thing from mm-hmm. the like, oh, he'll be disappointed yep. or whatever, you know. Um, a- Adam didn't have a dad, so <laughs> <laughs> test two, baby. <laughs> Adam's what you get when you smush two uh, uh, like egg cells together and make a person. <laughs> Smushy, smushy. (laughs) So, uh, one of the historians I consulted for this uh, script, a woman named Ida Donald, uh, in her book called The Lion in the White House, she wrote, quote, Papa, that is Theodore Roosevelt Sr., Papa's good works were reflected in the shorthand of family sayings long remembered. Uh, Man is not an oyster. Cowardice and deceit are not tolerated. Affection and a hopeful disposition are rewarded, and get action. That is, seize the day. Get There's, action. I know. I knew the moment I said that. <laughs> get. <laughs> but what he meant by that was like, go out and do things. Like, oh, be right. be active. Right. Right he there. didn't mean Ron Jeremy is your hero. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and considering how prudish Theodore Roosevelt was, he really? was he was a bit of a prude. Uh, oh. We'll get to that later um in this in this script and in future scripts but yeah like he you know uh one of the things one of the many things that uh made me angry back in in 2016 uh when when uh, he who must not be named was running for president people are like he's like teddy roosevelt i'm like "Mm, no the the man who's been divorced three times and has had multiple extramarital affairs that he's bragged about that alone teddy roosevelt would have punched him in the fucking face i would literally give so many of my own organs to see that like i would give my own heart so long as i had two to three minutes of consciousness to, to watch see it. teddy roosevelt beat him punch trump so hard in the face that his jaw does that thing yeah. you know if you ever see anyone get hit in the jaw real hard their jaw kind of gets like yep. to the side and awkward oh god that's good mm-hmm 
And you're like, well, I died coming. <laughs> <laughs> so the tiny Teddy uh, was a bookworm. He read a lot of books. He devoured books on history and adventure, uh, usually reading them uh, while standing on one leg like a stork, apparently. He would just stand what? on one leg. He'd like pull one leg up, and he would just stand there and read. Uh, he, he did this uncoached. This yeah. Was just his... Why? I, I don't know. It was weird. He probably, honestly, like the way that he's described as a kid and the way he acted as an adult is Autistic. that he had, he had ADHD. Like 100%. Oh, like the bad kind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I need to do something with my left leg. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm never going to read yeah. this. Yeah. Or yeah. just that he needed to be moving. Like, this this he constant this constant movement. Um, but his real passion was for natural history. Um, and he, he has a quote here. Uh, quote, when I was a small boy, I began to take an interest in natural history. I remembered distinctly the first day that I started on my career as a zoologist. I was walking up Broadway, and I passed the market to which I used to sometimes be sent before breakfast to get strawberries. I suddenly saw a dead seal laid out on a slab of wood. The seal filled me with every possible feeling of romance and of adventure. Wait, he saw a dead, <laughs> and, and quote. Wait, he saw a dead seal on yeah. the streets of New York City? Yeah. From like a whaling ship. Oh. Yeah, like I imagine. Oh. You know, it's the 1860s. Oh, yeah. I assumed you meant Seal who wrote the popular song. <laughs> that I yeah, he went in a time machine, went back in time to the 1860s, was murdered and displayed on Broadway. Yeah. And he looked at him and he was like, there is so much a man can tell you, so much he can say. He responded. If, if you've got something about a rose. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kissed by a rose, huh? Yeah. He's like, this would be a really good song for the uh, second Batman movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's all it's all coming full circle it's all coming full circle we're, we're decoding history <laughs> so this uh, is like the history channel where we're like have a crazy history conspiracy like, like discovery channel where michael's like i'd love to talk about theodore roosevelt we're like mermaids <laughs> <laughs> Aliens. 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 It's aliens. Um, so at age seven, he started keeping a notebook of observations. Uh, he'd put frogs under his hat. <laughs> I'm so sorry to keep interrupting, Michael. Yeah. Do you understand the ridiculousness of this? At age seven, yeah. he kept a notebook of observations. Yeah. At age seven, <laughs> I picked my nose sometimes. <laughs> That's all I know. At age seven, the, the, the thing that I wanted most in life was more Pokemon cards. Mm. Was he jumping on one leg with that? As Maybe. Well? He, Maybe he might have. Uh, he stood on one leg. He didn't jump. He just oh. he stood like a stork. They they compared him to a stork when he would read. Oh. So he'd pull up like his right leg underneath him and stand on one leg. And apparently he could do this even if he could like shut out the rest of the world while he read. Like people could be running around around him, uh, which I'm jealous of because if yeah. any if I'm reading and anyone talks yeah. near me, I yeah, yeah, yeah. suddenly can't read. Oh, yeah. I'm so mad. That, 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 um, that is impressive. So he would put frogs under his hat uh, and let them jump out on his friends <laughs> upon greeting them. You keep, you keep fucking with us. No. Like, like, all right, he did a really fucking weird thing. And, and then we do some jokes. And they're like, he did an even fucking weirder thing. Uh, <laughs> don't, just, I'm going to keep going. All right, all right, keep going. Um, he, uh, he put snakes in water glasses at dinner. Uh, he hid creatures in the icebox. 
He'd stuffed birds in his bedroom, which he grandly called the Theodore Roosevelt Natural History Museum. Are you sure that wasn't a euphemism for no. masturbation back then? <laughs> uh, what uh, he he's stuffing a bird in his bedroom. And he had, he shut up he's everyone. stuffing the snake. <laughs> <laughs> and he had, Put a snake in water. Right. He had so many critters roaming around his room that the mudes, maids refused to clean it. They're like, if we go around through his room and start opening drawers or, or like dusting, there's going to be like snakes or or mice or frogs jumping at us, and they refuse to go in there. Well, and at the time, <laughs> refusing to do a thing as a maid was yeah. way more hardcore. Oh, yeah. Than it is now. Yeah, they, back then it was just like all. I would rather go to a firing squad <laughs> than clean his room. <laughs> well, and again, you know, from the sounds of it, Mr. and Mrs. Roosevelt seemed like they were reasonably. It might have been reasonably decent employers and been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we understand that our son's a yeah, bit our, of a, a weirdo. Like fucking crazy. <laughs> uh, so at be age, president one day, don't At worry. age 12, Greatheart, seeing that his son was growing intellectually but not physically, said to him, quote, you have the mind but not the body. You must build your body. End quote. To which the younger Roosevelt said, I will build up, my body. Bro. Uh, and <laughs> basically. He's like, do you dude, like, work, bro? <laughs> <laughs> and then he started the creatine. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, what kind of testosterone does Joe Rogan take? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're going to get fitted for your thong and it's going to be <laughs> if, you're sh- if you have a single shirt with sleeves I'm going to punch you <laughs> Michael, this, this has I been a really be... good choice <laughs> very fun we're at the end of page 3 there are oh 10 God. more pages 10 more pages yeah All right, well. so, so this began a lifelong love of exercise uh, he learned to box, uh, which he exercised like in he the mid 1970s. So, so he he would do some weightlifting. He did a lot of gym. Did they actually have like was weightlifting? A- a, a, a kind of not not the way not like with um. Oh, I, I this is shows you how much I exercise and lift <laughs> weights. Uh, like they didn't have dumbbells, I don't think. Yeah, but okay. you know, he had some weights. He did a lot of gymnastics. He lifted uh, the Irish. Um, maybe. <laughs> 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 just like got a whole bunch Irish. <laughs> how many? How many just Irish orphans <laughs> can you lift? Hey, hey, Patrick McFlannery. I'm gonna need you to eat a little bit more. You're getting a little too light. <laughs> Would you like some potatoes, yeah, or yeah. is it too soon? Oh, <laughs> how dare you make a potato famine? So, no. um, but but and he would also he would do things like um, one another historian said he would he would row himself across Long Island Sound, really, um, just by himself. And she she said that this was like must have been his favorite form of exercise because he got to be like. <coughs> the person in charge of it and the person who got to do it like at all at the same time like he got to decide where the boat went and he had to do the physical action of rowing the boat so like it was perfect uh and this did he do it by himself yeah he would row boats by himself he'd go horse riding uh horseback riding he played sports like he was very physically active and this distinguishes he would have been a great judge dread <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. He also would have, uh, you know. I know you're joking, but he also never thought himself wrong. Was he horse riding through Manhattan? Manhattan was like not 
I mean, he yeah, could have done that, but Manhattan. his family also owned, uh, you know, they they were wealthy. They, they had, had a house on Long Island. Yeah, okay. And 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 then Long Island was not as built up then, so you could ride yeah. around. Actually, no um, one would talk to you if you didn't have your own horse. Yeah, <laughs> I um, and so so he he began to prepare to go to Harvard, um, and he's the only one of his siblings who pursues a higher education and he was never harvard is the first time he actually goes to his school all of his schooling is is essentially homeschooling but he finished his prep course in two years instead of three so he's he's doing a prep course to go to harvard and he finishes it in two um and he gets to harvard in 1870 or no not 1870 uh 1878 something like that uh but harvard in the 1870s is a very lazy place an extremely lazy place uh there was a poem that was written there while he was while he was attending that was recited and he goes uh, the poem goes quote we de- we deem it narrow minded to excel we call the man frantic who applies his life to one grand purpose until he dies enthusiasm sees one side one fact we try to see all sides but do not act we t- uh, we long to sit with newspapers unfurled in different spectators of the world so they were like no we're just above it all we don't want to like do anything or try. And Roosevelt is sprinting from class to class, right? So like the rest he's of the Harvard, oh, he's not. Yeah, he's the overachiever. Roosevelt is sprinting class to class. He's, he's like the regular person amongst hipsters, kind of, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. just like uh, uh, propped just, up by family money. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. So basically, Harvard <laughs> yeah. at the time was yeah. just an institution full of fail sons. Yeah. Right, you kind know of. what I mean? It's like rich people have their kids, mm-hmm. and those kids don't give a shit about anything. Mm-hmm. They all fit. and he was the one who was like, nah. I mean, university at that time. I mean, you didn't really need to go oh, to university. Yeah, no. It was just like I have the time. Well, like, and, I'm just and, gonna like and for a lot go of, to class. Maybe. Well, yeah, and for a lot of Harvard people, Harvard and Yale people, it's more of like a networking yeah. thing, yeah, right? Yeah, Rather yeah. than like an actual learning. I'm so glad that that's changed. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> um, network doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I'm so glad day. that Harvard and Yale have changed their ways and <laughs> haven't just continued to so, pump out the elites of the world who control everything and ruin our lives. So, so Roosevelt's right, iron has, has Adam's nodding yeah, at me. Yeah, Michael yeah. wants to move on. Adam's <laughs> nodding at me. I just want everyone to know. So he doesn't want to know the truth. All right. <laughs> So Roosevelt was iron disciplined. He was always studying, exercising, or doing something. So he would no, but like the, he seems like the guy who would just be like he like be sprinting, but also be like reading oh, a book he like would be. a while. Well, or or people would come to. He didn't stay. He stayed off campus at like he had like a a house basically because yeah, he's yeah. got money that happened a lot in harvard yeah uh, but like, like he didn't know there, no, no, there yeah. are two levels yeah. of students yeah uh, i i know because i i read a book on uh his you know what it was a grand nephew uh fdr right? fifth cousin fifth cousin yeah oh all right well fdr did the same thing mm-hmm. where it was like he yeah. he basically his family had like purchased a house yeah. near enough to campus that mm-hmm. he could kind of like hang out there yeah. and his friends would show up so there was essentially yeah two levels of harvard i don't know if it's like this today i mean who knows but like there were the people whose family were so rich and so wealthy that you got to just like have your own house close by and then there are the people who had kind of like you know had to go to a boarding house or stay in a dorm no he's got his own house but people would come over and and he would like ignore them for like a solid hour (laughs) while he would do he would read or do homework but he would he didn't spend a huge amount of time studying, but 
when he spent time studying, it was every, every ounce of his attention was focused on just that for the exact amount of time he was doing it, right? Um, so he is near the top of his class all four years, and it only, he only gets closer to the top of the class the longer he's there. I can respect that. Yeah. Right, that, cause that's yeah. the kind you of, said you no one cared, to, so he, yeah. he basically, like... I mean, there's, that's part of it, uh, you know, but at the same token, like, he starts kind of middling and he ends very close to the top. No, um, and, and you say no one cares, mm-hmm. but right, but it's still, like, if 20% mm-hmm. of everyone cares and mm-hmm. you're still at the top of that 20%, that's, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's still an accomplishment, right? Um, that's true. During one class, he interrupted the professor so many times that the professor snapped back, quote, see here, Roosevelt, let me talk. I am running this course, end quote. So he kept interrupting with questions and the professor just didn't, wasn't taking it anymore. Uh, and he was like, you sound like my mother. Uh, <laughs> he, amazed a, he amazed a friend by going ice skating until near midnight and they only went home uh, because the moon went away. Like it clouded over so they didn't have any more light by which to do this and his friends like if the moon had stayed out till three we would have kept ice skating until three and he's like i was frozen to the bone and roosevelt's like well i guess we can call it a night right like he just constantly energizer bunny yeah never yeah But uh, so he, um, well, he boxed at Harvard. He went to the finals once while he was there. Uh, he was an A B student. He was imagine editor. boxing with Roosevelt. Oh, like, he I, did it until he was president. Did he really? Yeah, uh, he would box with young aides while he was president, and he stopped because during one like you know, there's like he's bo- he's forty some odd years old. He's boxing with like a twenty two year old, and a blow detached his right retina. Holy he went shit. blind in one eye. Is this when they were doing a bare knuckles? Basically, and he goes, and his quote was, I at that point decided that I was too old to be boxing, so I took up jujitsu for a year or two. <laughs> jujitsu? Yeah, he just coolly went to that. He played a game, uh, the, the title of chief of staff of the army I don't think existed, but there was like the commanding general of the army is a guy named yeah. Leonard Wood, and they would play a game called single stick, where they would wrap themselves up in cushions and then hit each other with sticks until one of them said they had to stop. He was doing this while he was president. 
right? So imagine if Joe Biden and General Mark Miley <laughs> wrapped themselves up in cushions and then hit each other with sticks, <laughs> like with wooden baseball bats. I'm looking at Adam right now, like I, I'm missing a hobby. <laughs> I could use I could use a little bit of a. You want to play single stick? Yeah, I'll yeah. play single stick. Michael, look at me. Look at me in my eyes. We're gonna play, play single stick. <laughs> I'll beat your fucking ass. Um, and he joined a series of prestigious social clubs, uh, and he joined the most prestigious, called the Porcellian Club, in 1878. And he got drunk for the first time. Uh, he quote. I was higher on wine than ever before, or will be again. Still, I could wind up my watch. Wine makes me awfully fighting, end quote. The throbbing hangover. I was wondering what him and I had in common. (laughs) (laughs) The the throbbing hangover the next day would convince him to be a teetotaler for most of the rest of his life. Like, he just doesn't drink very often. Well, we had something in common, and now we don't. There's a a story. I want to say he was meeting with his friend Henry Cabot Lodge way later in life and and lodge uh, when uh, he met him henry cabot lodge was a abolitionist if i remember correctly right no uh maybe his family was he would, wouldn't have been old enough but he oh, was okay. a senator from massachusetts did he do he did something progressive he was like a progr- he was part of the progressives ish but he was also like a conservative progressive which sounds like an oxymoron well, but uh right, but mind, he was mind. more about like arming America, essentially, right? I mean, up the Navy. Yeah, he definitely was that. He was an imperialist. He, uh, you know, uh, wanted to enter World War One, but didn't want to sign the Treaty of Versailles. Did um, FDR serve under him? Do you remember? They, I don't know if they did, yeah. if he did or not. But anyway, so, but Roosevelt was very good friends with Lodge, um, and he visits him. And uh, Lodge thought he looked anxious, and then w- was confirmed in it because. Uh, he asked Roosevelt, do you want something to drink? And he asked for a scotch and soda. And like for Lodge, Lodge was like, wow, you must really be like, need to calm your nerves. Like you never drink and you're asking for a scotch and soda. Um, So, so he never, he rarely drank after this one time because he's just like, I didn't like it. Also, I think it might've made him belligerent. And I think he might've been a little uh, like, if I drink, I'm going to start hitting people. He literally punched his best friend and they (laughs) like almost didn't get over it. He's like, I can't do that. All right. So his original goal at Harvard was to become a scientist. Uh, And his father approved of this course of action as long as he was serious about it. He didn't want him to be a dilettante about it. Because he's like, you probably won't make a lot of money as a scientist, but I can support you. But I'm only going to support your, you know, not making money in a career if you commit yourself to being like the best at it. Well, and at the time there mm-hmm. were all, like there was a man. I remember seeing a a it was like a painting mm-hmm. of some aristocrat, like mm-hmm. a European aristocrat in their castle, surrounded by like skulls and mm-hmm. skeletons and like a yeah. bunch of random like quote unquote sciency stuff. Yeah, right. But they weren't doing anything oh, yeah. of any particular no. value. So, yeah. like, I could see his dad oh, being yeah. like, "Oh, be a scientist, but don't be like a bullshit oh, like, yeah. trust that, fund scientist. Yeah. Be someone who actually moves the needle." Over oh yeah, and that and understand. and Roosevelt's like, "Yeah, it makes sense." And then Roosevelt discovered that 
that most of what science is is like sitting in a lab. Uh, and he goes, he didn't Not want manly to, enough. He didn't want to be cooped up indoors. <laughs> he didn't want Definitely. to be. He didn't want to be cooped up indoors as a as as a microscopist or a section cutter, as he called it. Uh, so fighting. Yeah, they so have to include yeah. fighting into the. <laughs> so instead, he, he trained <laughs> science is Indiana Jones, basically. Yeah. 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 Like, well, if I can't whip a Nazi in the face, <laughs> really what's important? the point of this? <laughs> Got to get out of the library, <laughs> get in the field. So uh, he instead transitioned to history and politics. He changes his major from from natural science. Yeah, historian. Uh, to, yeah, to, to it's a lot more action packed. Well, at the very least, <laughs> uh, uh, at, well, I mean, basically, so one, he wants to go into politics, and two, even if he's like, I'll write books, he's like, I can still do other things that are like active. Like I won't be tied to being in a lab for X number of hours in a right. day. Right. You can like, write a book for three hours and, and then, then go, go hunt or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 1878 was a roller coaster year for Roosevelt. Before leaving Harvard, Me uh, be- too. before leaving for Harvard, <laughs> it seemed that he had had an understanding with a neighbor of his, a woman named Edith Caro. Um, his summer, uh, his summertime neighbor. When they were they were neighbors on Long Island, they weren't neighbors in Manhattan, uh, and she was his childhood sweetheart. That they they had they seemed to have had an understanding that they were going to be married, uh, and he and had, then somebody said, "Did she put up a fight?" And it just ruined the whole thing. <laughs> he had apparently he apparently wrote to her. Tell me co- more. Tell me more. <laughs> He's like, my name's Sandy, and I'm from, I can't believe you want me to dress in all leather and be like a 1950s hooker. Like, <laughs> that's not what happened. Michael no, was like, it's, oh, that's it's, not what so apparently, all right, listeners, that's not what happened. So actually, he would write to Sandy, uh, come on, Sandy, 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 why don't you do? Oh my God, Sandy. So apparently, they had a fight. <laughs> I know. I'm just. <laughs> no, it's okay, Michael. I just. I we're both laughing. Adam and I are both laughing at the fact that we're connecting John Travolta and Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Michael's not happy. About that. <laughs> How dare you, sir, sir? <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt is three times the man John Travolta is. <laughs> You've insulted his honor. <laughs> Uh, what's happening with Rizzo? Uh, all right. So, so, all right, Michael, we're done. <laughs> calm down, sir. Calm down. We got to calm down. So, Out of respect for Dr. History Scholar, we have to calm down. So, Teddy and Edith have this fight in the summer of 1878, and unfortunately, neither of them ever spoke about it ever again, and they never wrote about it. So, we don't actually know what they fought about. It's very amazing. But it was bad enough that it nearly deranged Roosevelt. Like, he thought that he was going to marry this woman. And they had this really big fight. They sort of break up. Um, and and that's... He got it. so mad, he was like, Shama-la-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba-la-ba
Wow, that really brought the mood down. That really brought the mood down. I thought we were doing good so far. Michael made me question myself. All right, Dr. Sage Scholar, go on with your narrative. So it'll be good, guys. The emotional the emotional damage done by his breakup with Edith was soon erased by the meeting in the fall of 1878 of Alice Hathaway Lee of Boston. He fell head over heels in love with her. He courted her so aggressively, he nearly challenged another suitor to a duel. Shit. Finally, in December... That's a rough... Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was dueling still around then? Were they still uh, No, not really. That's why... <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. He's like, so, I'm going to bring it back just for this. <laughs> wow, damn. Um, so, so in, in, and finally, so this is happening. So in the summer, he breaks up with Edith. In the fall, he falls in love with Alice. Damn. And in December, finally in December, with the possibility of the marriage... Sandy. ...to the, to the love <laughs> of his life and a degree from Harvard... Theodore Roosevelt's father dies. Greatheart dies in December of 1878. Now, the family said he died of disappointment. That was like their sort of family lawyer. The reality is he had a stomach infection. Uh, but Greatheart had finally begun to flirt with actual politics and had offered himself up to the Republican Party, either as a candidate for the U.S. Senate or uh, to the post of the Collector of Customs for the Port of New York, uh, which was a really important post in the 1870s. Yeah, those are equal? Basically. Because the, the the U.S. basically only makes money off of tariffs, mm-hmm. and almost all yeah. of the goods that come into the country come into the Port of New York. Mm. So the person who's in charge of the customs of the Port of New York is an extremely powerful person, uh, normally hugely corrupt. And the yeah. reason he had put himself forward is that he was known as being reform-minded, independent. He would be clean government, right? He's um, great heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but he was too independent. He was too reform minded, uh, and he was torpedoed for both of these posts by the like Republican Party machine, like the machine of the Republican Party. Went, do we want someone a little bit more pliant? Isn't that the fucking? Isn't that how it always Mm -hmm. goes? Oh, hey, I would love, I would love, I don't know, a president from a place. Like Vermont, who like just really wants to like just cares about the people yeah. and all the people at the the whole time, you know. But like, um, believes in equality and <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> wants uh, universal health care. Yeah, wants wants everyone to live a happy, healthy life with mm-hmm. their families or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, Here's the thing: that's what we in the business community call extreme <laughs> so Theodore uh, roosevelt senior died at the age of 46 and this near again this nearly breaks roosevelt he would say that his father in in future he would say that his father was always looking over his shoulder mm. um and even as president he would confide in one of his sisters quote uh his sister said of him quote that he never took any serious step or made any vital decision for his country without first thinking what position his father would have taken on the question End quote. So even as president, he's thinking about, and this is like 30 years later, 25, 30 years later, he's still thinking about what would my dad be doing what, what in this situation? What would daddy do? I was yeah. going to say, <laughs> do you have a bracelet? <laughs> so so Roosevelt, Roosevelt and David. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Michael. Uh-huh. Did you ever wear a WWJD bracelet? I didn't. You didn't? No. I think I had some, but I didn't wear them. <laughs> well, I went to Catholic it? school, so like yeah. I got them at some point. But uh, I don't... Uh, it took a long time for me to want to wear a wristwatch. So like I think there was been like a... The idea of having a, something on my wrist was just sort of... Eh, I didn't like it. So, Luckily, I have some handcuffs. 
(laughs) (laughs) So Roosevelt did recover from the death of his father and finished school strong. He wrote his senior thesis on women's rights. Uh, the first line of the document reads, quote, in advocating any measure, we must not we must consider not only its justice, but its practicability, end quote. Later, he would state in that paper, quote, a cripple or a consumptive in the eyes of the law is equal to the strongest athlete or the deepest thinker. And the same justice should be shown to women, whether she is or is not the equal of a man. As regarding the laws relating to marriage, there should be the, mo- the most absolute equality preserved between the sexes. I do not think that women should assume any man's name. I would, I would have the word obey used not more for the wife than for the husband. Right? Um, now, he may have been swayed on this topic by the fact that he had gotten engaged to Alice Lee on February 14th, 1880. Um, <laughs> he was like, she's going to slide about off her chair women? when she heard, hears this. <laughs> what about voting rights? Uh, he's, he, he actually does say in there that the vote should probably be extended, but he does carve out this caveat that because women can't serve in the military they can't quote defend the right to vote right like against foreign aggression mm-hmm. but he's like according you know, to who him that's that's his you know no i know but um no, no that's really interesting the way he stated that too because it was like oh man it's such a weird like our in our current society mm-hmm. we would see that as so like patronizing mm-hmm. maybe and so very just like oh my god why would you say that yeah you know but like he's basically saying like all right well if the if there's a white male mm-hmm. who happens to be a complete dipshit <laughs> he can vote right yeah. like he can he right. has like sovereignty over himself or mm-hmm. whatever so like even if <laughs> i hate saying this out yeah. loud even if women mm-hmm are at the same level or higher than him, then they deserve the yeah. same thing. It's this weird argument of like, it's, we talked about it yeah. in the uh, the last episode we did where it was like a U.S. senator mm-hmm. after, um, you know, a, a emancipation. Mm-hmm. You know, you have another mm-hmm. senator like, do you possibly yeah. believe yeah. that, uh, you know, free Everyone slaves are they yeah. equal to us? Mm-hmm. And he goes back, well... If your dumb fucking ass is equal to us, then I guess I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. such a crazy art. It sounds so shitty to the modern ear, but it was like the most progressive thing you could do. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, at the time, so as a white man, uh, so so he and Alice have gotten engaged. Okay, uh, and in many ways, they're kind of an odd couple uh, because Theodore Roosevelt was never the most conventionally attractive man just isn't uh he's got these weird sideburns like civil war era sideburns but in the 1880s kind of kind of thing you could run your fingers through (laughs) while alice lee was considered strikingly beautiful right so out of his league yes the real uh (laughs) she was mild-mannered uh and warm in this sort of laid-back kind of way roosevelt is intense he's welcoming but almost in this very overpowering way right uh he was an intellectual uh, Alice was never considered his intellectual equal. Um, though this is sometimes read as that she was stupid, which I think is uh, an inaccurate reading. I don't think Roosevelt could have stood to be around a genuinely stupid person. Yeah. Like, I, I, she was, there's basically, you know, there's this argument that, you know, she wasn't as smart as he was, which may, which could very well be true. Yeah. Uh, but at the same token, like, it, it shouldn't be read that she was a simpleton or, or not 
bright. It's just that, yeah. Actually, I, I want to highlight something out of my own life mm-hmm. that is similar to this. Uh, when I met my wife, right, I had spent years, like, reading about, like, Hinduism and Buddhism and, mm-hmm. like, all the, like, like worrying about what is God or what's the point mm-hmm. of all this or whatever. And I met her and she was like, I, I asked her, like, about religion, what are you? And mm-hmm. she said, I'm an apathetic agnostic. Mm-hmm. I went, What? And she was like, I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. So mm-hmm. why worry about it? Yeah. And it seems intellectually lazy because she doesn't spend the time thinking about it. But mm-hmm. in a weird sense, it's actually the smart way to go. Yeah. Right? Like, so it's saying like that the person isn't as intellectual yeah. as he was. Well, it's like, you know. Yeah. Like, in what way yeah. and how? And, you know, and it, you know again... Spoiler alert, one of the people who definitely thinks that Alice Lee wasn't that smart is Teddy Roosevelt's second wife, right? You know, and <laughs> she might have a vested interest in, <laughs> in, uh, you know, in saying that. But anyway. And she was like, yeah, she had a loose vagina and floppy tits. <laughs> um, <laughs> it gave the worst blowjob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she didn't know shit. <laughs> so Roosevelt, Roosevelt loved her she and he said of her... Uh, said of her, quote, as long as I live, I shall never forget how sweetly she looked and how prettily she greeted me, end quote. So, so in the spring of 1880, as he was preparing to graduate Harvard, Roosevelt was told by a doctor in no uncertain terms that he, Roosevelt, must live a quiet and sedentary life. If he did not, he would die young. Do you still have the asthma? Yeah. Uh, in that and, you know, yeah, basically, and just he's not a very healthy individual, like, within his own body and roosevelt responded he was quote, exercising a lot. yeah he is uh, but he goes doctor i'm going to do all the things you tell me not to do if i've got to live the sort of life you've described i don't care how short it is um so basically like, yolo bitch yeah <laughs> I, I said the same thing to my doctor but they were like you don't exercise or anything <laughs> so uh, theodore and alice were married on october 27th 1880 his second his 22nd birthday he had an income of $8,000 a year at a time when the average family lived on $400 a year and was enrolled in law school. The world seemed to be his oyster. <laughs> so part two, one of the governing class, which is from one of my favorite quotes of Teddy Roosevelt, which is, there's a lot of them. So in 1881, Theodore Roosevelt decided that the law was not for him. It was too sedentary, too much of protecting the wealth of others. So he decided to go into Republican politics. He did this. <laughs> That's not about protecting yeah. the wealth of people. <laughs> well, and he does this. He does this in the least patrician and most Rooseveltian fashion. He decided he would work his way up from the ground floor. He started at a local Republican club in Manhattan. He amused the less savory characters there by showing up in his dinner clothes, basically in a tuxedo. Uh, but they would put him forward as the reform-minded candidate for the 21st district in Manhattan, the wealthy silk-stocking district. And Roosevelt wanted to be part of a political party that was reform-minded, emphasized social justice, and produced leadership. Like, those are the three things he wants. So Roosevelt grew up at a time when politics was considered by elites to be low. Right? Elite people didn't engage in democratic politics because that's what people do and we're not people. Uh, <laughs> we're not the that people. Then what are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And okay, not gentlemen. People. Yeah, they're that... gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, and so the men who engaged in this were quote rough, brutal, and unpleasant. End quote. And so Roosevelt's answer to this might have summed up his entire life philosophy. He goes, quote, "If this were so, it merely meant that the people I knew did not belong to the governing class, and that the other people did." 
and that I intended to be one of the governing class. And if they proved too hard bit for me, I supposed I would have to quit. But I certainly would not quit until I had made the effort and found out whether I really was too weak to hold my own in the rough and tumble. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on. Yeah. So he's saying that he's from a class that yeah. is like refined and above the yes. political class. Yes. But he wants to lower himself to the political class yeah. to see if he's tough enough yes. to be a senator? A state senator, yeah, or a state, assemb- <laughs> a state assemblyman. <laughs> so again, remember that this is still like Tammany oh, Hall politics. Yeah. We'll get to that. I'm t- I am tough enough to let a factory owner tell me what to do. <laughs> so so he ran he ran a he ran a Mister Clean campaign to to rid the city of Mr. of political Clean. corruption. Was it stronger or longer? It was because it, it was Mister Clean. <laughs> uh, and he's backed by he's backed by New York's wealthy elite like J P Morgan. And others like him helped him out. Uh, he was, as one newspaper said, quote, part of the people. Right. Yeah, it's, right. Uh, well, we'll get to it. He's he's getting there. Quote a, hu- a, a newspaper said of him. Quote a human engine or a human steam engine in a pince nez. Right. A pince nez. A pince nez is the like the it's like the monocle, but for both of your eyes. It's like eyeglasses that are connected by a. Uh, like a, a cord. Oh, so that's yeah. that's he was he would always wear those instead of actual glasses. He always wore a pince nez. Did he just have like a really fat upper nose area? He, that that's why he always looks like he's squinting. Yeah, it's like keep uh, him on. Um, <laughs> he stressed his independence and distance from political bosses and special interests, and he was aided by the fact that his not Democrat, including J.P. Morgan, not including him. <laughs> <laughs> who is above. Yeah, yeah, J.P. Morgan's above that. Yeah. He's sensitive. He, 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 was, he was aided by the fact that his Democratic opponent was the recently fired director of an insane asylum. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Uh, thus it was that he was sent to Albany. So, Ethical, yeah. Uh, so really he was like, sent. He was sent to Albany with more than. How do you get fired? Sorry. How do you get fucking fired from director of an insane asylum in eighteen what eighty yeah. one? Yeah, like, yeah. That's why he I'm wins sure he the election. A lot of scrutiny. Like, uh, you have been position. doing a really bad job and doing a really bad job. <laughs> you're you're out of here. So he he is sent to Albany with more than twice the normal Republican. Do you know vote. why he was? fired no that part didn't come up in the in in the book oh, that i consulted that would have been better i know great yeah do uh, better uh, yeah, be better. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be wondering about that the whole I podcast what, how the fuck did you get fired <laughs> i imagine if i had to hazard a guess honestly it's that he either was caught taking bribes or refused bribes i'm sure there was a it corruption. wasn't about abusing probably the, not wait, i don't wait, think wait. that's did why you people just got say fired caught taking bribes or refused bribes Bribes? Yeah. <laughs> Both of those things could get you fired in the 1880s, depending on who did what. What a piece of shit. He wouldn't take a single bribe from us. Well, that yeah. might have meant he was too, you right, know. Right, right, right. Boy ethical. Scout. He was a boy scout. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he so wouldn't he, play ball. He took his, he took we his We don't know anything about this guy. No. He could have been the coolest we're, we're, guy We got to do podcast topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to what find this person. Is. I have to go find this person's name and then look them up. I, he does I, have a name? I, I, I I am not even fucking around, Michael. This has to be an episode of the future. Just so, an unnamed, fired, <laughs> insane, and silent director. One way or the other, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so, so Roosevelt takes his seat on January second, eighteen eighty-two, and at twenty-three, he's the youngest member in the chamber. Wow. 
Uh, Alice moved with him, but she would split her time between Albany and New York because Albany was much dirtier and a less interesting place than Manhattan. He yeah, looked that's tall. changed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we talk a lot about how things stay the same. Not that one. Not that uh, one. He looked different than his fellow assemblymen. He was always very well dressed, and he's constantly racing between committees, meetings, and other gatherings. He and Alice would throw lavish parties for fellow progressive Republicans, and he immediately began championing reform, which greatly annoyed the Black Horse Cavalry, which are these old guard Tammany Hall machine politicians. They, they, they were nicknamed the Black Horse Cavalry. The Black Horse Cavalry. Yes. I got it. Do you know why? I think it was. Be- I think they were called that by the progressives because every time they tried to do something, they'd swoop in at the last minute. And stop the reform. Like, you know, they were the cavalry, but they're riding in on their black horses because they're the bad guys. Oh, uh, so, so I, it was a like, war reference. Uh, I don't. I think it's just you know, like the hero always rides in on the white horse, mm. and they're the, they're not the heroes. They're the bad guys, so they're right. riding in on their black so horses. The, yeah. So in the in the zero hour, mm-hmm. right? They mm-hmm. swoop in on their horses and they're like, "Hey, that progressive good stuff yep. that you wanted to do that was here's a bunch of bribes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Surprise, we got money. snacks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, and they were me- these were members of the Tammany Hall p- machine, which again, fan of the pod, Dan Sickles had worked for. <laughs> yes, so the give- pod's Alas. a fan of him. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, given the rough and tumble nature of late nineteenth century, wait, wait, Teddy and Dan Sickles were are facing alive. off in not quite. The they know. I don't. Th- I don't. Th- they not at the same time. Oh, I know. God. Th- that I, would be an epic show. That would be. God. It would be. I, 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 I mean, see, I've seen a like, few. Pump, so- like, definitely, like, definitely very, like, mm-hmm. alpha. Like, they yeah. would be, well, like, and, puffing and, chests against each other. Though, at this point, like, Dan Sickles is, like, 40 years older than Roosevelt and is missing a leg at this point. Yeah, this is a real celebrity death I mean, the, <laughs> the big yeah. dick energy of Dan well, Sickles, I don't, <laughs> think, <laughs> I don't think matters. So He's like, so, I'll fucking fight you right now. Like, I, mean, I, I have one leg. Oh. That's true. <laughs> and you were saying earlier that, that, you know, he wanted to show how tough he was and he did it by entering state politics. So... One of the some of the some of the Tammany members some there were there were there were Democrats and there were Tammany Democrats in the state assembly. So Democrats were Democrats elected from the rest of New York, but Tammany <laughs> Democrats were ones elected from New York City who were like street fighting toughs when they weren't state assemblymen. And one of them, a large Irishman named McManus, Irish, had, sorry, had decided that he was uh, okay. He, f- Adam, you said that. <laughs> Like you said that, like you had been waiting hours to say it. What talk about the Irish? It's a recurring theme. I remember the the Irish. I don't. Um, what what about the Irish? So it's what about, rough and tumble. <laughs> so this guy Roosevelt overhears that this guy is going to throw him in a bag or in a blanket and then beat the shit out of him. Right. That like this guy. This hey Adam, of, is that a real Irish thing to do? <laughs> Roosevelt confronts McManus, who's apparently gigantic, like over six feet tall, big dude. And Roosevelt yells at him, quote, I hear you're going to toss me in a blanket. By God, if you try anything like that, I'll kick you. I'll bite you. I'll kick you in the balls. I'll do anything Wait, to this you. Wait, this is a Roosevelt? And, yes. Quotes? Roosevelt runs up to this guy and yells it in his face. No one ever did throw Roosevelt did, did in a blanket. Did he start like a fight club outside of the state? Basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like that was funny. So... So here ends he, he part- beat that guy's ass and was like, I want to destroy something beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he had just been elected to the state assembly. He's uh, fighting off the Irish. He is. And so part three 
Part three of the script is called Battles in Albany. Uh, so Roosevelt was a reformer, but he was essentially pro-business in the 1880s, which is not surprising. The truth is, is that both major political parties in the late 1800s are pro-business. They're just pro-different businesses. Oh, I'm so glad it's not like that yeah. anymore. So but despite this, <laughs> despite this, yeah. Oh my uh, God, despite so much this, has changed in oh, 120 just, years. Yeah. There's, there, <laughs> I, the it, Democrats fight for us as workers, I really just get well, excited. And, and there is, you know, one of the things, uh, the first time I really read about Theodore Roosevelt was in like 2015, 2016. And when I'm reading about this, like there are a lot of parallels between the the time we live in now and the gilded age like and it's not just surface things like there's a lot of wealth there's a lot of uh you know political corruption not quite as brazen as it was in the 18 late 1800s but then there's also like concerns with immigration right that was a big deal during this period of time there's um you know worries about what is the united states's relationship to the rest of the world Right, it was changing, uh, changing uh, financial markets. Yeah, right, like the way the financial yeah. markets were, and the like, way the economy is structured, and and everything else. Like there are a lot of similarities, um, and you know my you know hope is you know I have to I have to otherwise I find myself in a deep dark place and I don't like being there. <laughs> uh, is that you know in the next twenty years we'll have a new progressive era in the same way that the Gilded Age uh, gave way to a, to a progressive era. Um, but what Roosevelt did want was he wanted what he called a clean relationship between business and politics. And he disliked that the two parties were beholden to special interests. Um, as Ada, uh, Ida Donald put it, quote, for him, the bedrock of politics was morality and business practices that built citizens were immoral, end quote. So he- Holy shit. That, yeah, but- that actually seems like a revolutionary statement mm-hmm. in the modern era. Yeah. The bedrock of politics is morality. Like, well, and it was a revolutionary it was a revolutionary concept at the, his time as well. Roosevelt also, is weird for thinking also, this. Also during ancient Rome and, and ancient Greece. And, and all within, of history. Yeah, yeah. All of um, so he would write... <laughs> I mean, it's not just about propping up the ruling class. Yeah. So he would write that... Uh, Roosevelt would write, quote... <laughs> Shush. They're building, they're building bunkers underground. <laughs> this, is, this is the deep, dark place I don't want to go to. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So, so he would write... Uh, Roosevelt would write... Uh, he would write that, quote, honesty and decency and administrative efficiency are the prime requisites... Uh, of a legislator. Too convenient. End, end quote. So while he was not a later labor reformer at first, he rejected a minimum wage for New York City's workers and a huh. raise for police officers and firefighters. He was not entirely inflexible. Was this a J.P. Morgan? No, uh, it was... It, uh, what he was... The reason he rejected these was basically... He, he, these passed with him without his vote. Like, these were, he voted against them and they passed anyway. Um, but basically, he was like, it cost too much money. It was too much out of the public treasury. Um, he was not entirely inflexible. He had an epiphany while touring cigar factories. Read slums uh, in New York, <laughs> right? So he's touring these. these Wait, whoa. they don't make cigars in like super no. union positive like, places. Whoa. Well, they didn't even make them in factories. They were making them in people's homes, yeah. right? Well, that's yeah. where the children are. Yeah, right. I mean, and and so those tiny little fingers. Yeah, gotta, yeah, you gotta get access cigar. to those fingers yeah. somehow. <laughs> that's a better way of saying yeah. that. Um, <laughs> 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 oh, 
No, there's Hold not. Hold on, Michael. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on, Dr. History Comedy Scholar. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth. I, I, every, everyone gets one. Um, so as, he, as Roosevelt recalled, he goes, quote, as a matter of practical common sense, I could not conscientiously vote for the continuations of the conti- uh, continuation of the conditions that I saw. So he votes to improve these working conditions to make sure that, you know, people aren't making cigars in their slums. His social conscience was real, but it was much more abstract than his father's, right? So his father, you know, was like, I I need to help people because I feel bad if I don't. Roosevelt's, uh, as Edmund Morris put it, as, as another historian put it, his charity was, quote, a matter of practical common sense, end quote, rather than a moral imperative. He very much believed, you know, Letting the steam out of the kettle, kind of thing. Now he couched it in moral terms. Was he, he religious? Was, was Roosevelt religious? Roosevelt was religious. What, they were just like plain he, Protestant uh, Christian. Yeah, he was like a Presbyterian of some variety. Um, he he was religious, That's but a he gay Lutheran. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Michael shook his head so. Uh, it's a uh, but it's. It, it was me. Yep. It was you me keep that doing time, it. Guys. I'm sorry. You keep yelling us for doing it, and it keeps being you. It's never been. That was the first <laughs> time it's ever been me. God damn it! You did it earlier this episode. Okay, second time it's ever been me. Okay. First. Anyway, episode. so um, you know, he wasn't. He was religious, but he wasn't. Um, for instance, like uh, this is a weird yardstick to use. Uh, there, uh, but there doesn't appear to be. Uh, any anti-Catholicism or anti-Semitism in Theodore Roosevelt, which for a mainline Protestant elite in the late 19th century is actually a pretty interesting... Also today. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good today. Uh, Uh, So, so, but I I just mean... for the time. Yeah. uh, But what I mean by that is is like his religiosity didn't seem... Like he was never a fanatic in that that way. Um, No, I know what you're saying, right? Because there's a difference between somebody being like, oh, I'm a Methodist. Yeah. And somebody being like, I'm a fucking Methodist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a difference. But but, but at the same token, like, he went to church every week. And and, whereas, like, Franklin Roosevelt, I think, went to church, like, once a year, maybe. He's like, I don't care. But he would use religion. He would talk about it. And and I don't know enough about I don't know enough about it to, like, say if he was religious and just didn't want to go to church or if he didn't believe it doesn't matter there's also a strong argument to be made that like there's a lot of religious people mm-hmm. who say i don't need the church yeah. to be religious right yeah. so it's, very it's very protestant whole, yeah, yeah. anyway <laughs> so roosevelt always considered his wow uh, there was a little bit of a catholic jab right there <laughs> it be a little bit like little bit Protestant. <laughs> <laughs> stared me in my eyes. It's my Catholic chauvinism. Um, so, so Roosevelt always considered his greatest achievement in the assembly to be his passage of the Civil Service Reform Bill. Uh, he did this with the co- cooperation of Democratic governor and future two non-consecutive term president, Grover Cleveland. Oh, uh, yeah. By the end of... And by the, the namesake <laughs> of the greatest city in America. <laughs> <laughs> and so... So by yeah, the end of rock his rock and roll home of Grover, flaming rivers, guys. So, if you want a sexy time, Cleveland rocks. Cleveland rocks. A sexy time that doesn't ask too much from you, <laughs> Cleveland. So by the end of his first term, he, Roosevelt is considered the leader of the progressive wing of the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in 1882. 
next year, while he's still in his first year in office, Roosevelt took on one of the most powerful robber barons of the age, Jay Gould. Now, Gould was involved in finance and in railroads, and was not above using manipulations, lies, and bribery to get what he wanted. Again, so well, glad that doesn't happen anymore. So, so if, glad that there isn't a railroad <laughs> in a straight-up corruption issue right now where they poisoned a whole town in Ohio. I'm so glad that that's not happening right now, Michael. <laughs> so one of, these, one of these railroads was the Manhattan Elevated Railroad Company. In order to seize it for a song, Gould had bribed New York Supreme Court Justice Theodoric R. Westbrook Westbrook said in a letter to Gould, quote, I am willing to go to the very verge of judicial discretion to protect your vast interests. Wow, just put it out there? Just in, on paper. Gould manipulated... Insane. Uh, yeah. well, I mean, at least now they're kind of like, you know, they hide it. Yeah. Uh, you just the, text you know, it. Yeah. You if you're Sam Bankman-Fried. Or, you, you know, you base it on some kind of freedom. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, based some he, kind of platitude. Yeah. So he, I believe in the freedom <laughs> of reality TV stars to force me to suck their dick. <laughs> that's what I believe in, that kind of freedom. And that's the, wing, that's wing, the kind sir. of freedom. That's the kind of Originalism, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's in the Constitution. Look it up. Um, the B-side, right? Article. Six. Constitution B side. <laughs> Constitution B side. Yeah. Companies being like, what, 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 what would you pay us? <laughs> so, the way that Gould, the way that this worked is that uh, Westbrook declared the Manhattan Elevated, uh, that he declared that the company was both illegal and insolvent. So, like, he issued a, a, a judgment that said the company was broke and that it shouldn't even exist. All the while, Gould is on the sidelines manipulating the stock that it drops by 95%. So the stock loses 95% of its value. And then suddenly, as if by magic, Judge Westbrook goes, oh, no, no, it's a totally, it's a totally normal legal company again. And Gould purchases all the stock that is now worth only 5% of its original value. That's a baller move. Yeah. I, 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 it's scummy, but... It's real scummy. It, 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 it's, there's a little bit of a just like, God damn. God damn, right, you got to like you're admire gonna love, that yeah. kind of you, level of scumminess. You like, saw the end zone. You caught the ball. You ran. Yeah. Right? Like, you, like, like, like shameless. Like mm-hmm, there, there's yeah. zero shame. So Roosevelt hears about this and he is incensed. Uh, he denounced Gould as, quote, a shark of capitalism. And began the process of impeaching Westbrook. He couldn't do anything about Gould, but he could do what something about, about, about Westbrook. Was was J.P. Morgan like a, a dolphin? <laughs> <laughs> no, J.P. Morgan is an octopus. J.P. Morgan is an octopus. He's a fucking kraken. Yeah, that's probably an octopus, but he takes down ships and destroys people's lives. Um, so Roosevelt. <laughs> He, he begins the process of impeaching Westbrook, and he works with his usual energy and is able to prove Westbrook's guilt. He has letters like this. He's got all this other stuff. But at the last minute, quote, mysterious influences got several representatives to withdraw their names from the report that he compiled to the tune of $2,500 each, which would be worth about thirty dollars or $40,000 in today's money. That's cheap. Dude. Oh, I know. Yeah, like, yeah you really... Yeah, underselling yourself. Like we for all that. have day jobs or whatever. <laughs> like, thir- like thirty thousand dollars isn't that fucking mind blowing or whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, I have 
one quarter of a down payment on a house now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think I think we're a little I think we're a little jaded in in the area that we live in. Imagine someone who's representing yeah. rural New York. Yeah, that's is now like giving forty thousand probably like three years worth of yeah. living. So, like, so can I replace that with four? Underage, never mind. Nope. <laughs> so with eight, with with with, with uh, three underage beagles rescued beagles, from that uh, rescued from yeah, that that puppy mill. Yeah, yeah. So with these withdrawals, the motion <laughs> that was the greatest rescue of all time, guys. Well, <laughs> you're welcome. That beagles, yeah. Yeah. they were rescued. Michael loves rescue animals. <laughs> so with these withdrawals, these cats are rescues. Uh, with the with this mo- with the the motion uh, the motion to impeach is tabled. With these withdrawals, the motion to impeach is tabled. And one of the old guards said of Roosevelt, "Quote the damn fool. He would tread on his own balls just as quick as he would his neighbors." End quote. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Tread on his own balls, mm. testicles. Yeah. So Roosevelt was infuriated big, by this. They can take it. Yeah. <laughs> Roosevelt's like, you try and tread on these balls, and I will hit you with that big stick that I'm carrying. Hey! <laughs> so Roosevelt was infuriated, but probably not surprised. He volleyed back at Gould, quote, I have as little feeling as any man here and would willingly pass a bill of attainder on Jay Gould and all of his associates. Get him. They have given all possible harm to this community with their hired newspapers, with their corruption of the judiciary and of this house. They are common thieves. They belong to that most dangerous of all classes, the wealthy criminal class. Get up. End quote. Wait, this was a a speech he made in the assembly? Yes. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) So we need a fucking Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah. Well, I get a Teddy Roosevelt head. Don't get him started. He's like, I've been dreaming about this for years. (laughs) I will go to my land in the mountains (laughs) and I will build a Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) We have the technology. (laughs) (laughs) So Gould was a dangerous enemy. And he would not go. He was not one to go in for a fight without going in for a funeral. So he and his associates attempted their revenge. They knew that Roosevelt was immune to bribery. He still had this massive inheritance. Like he, you can't <laughs> he buy need that money. Yeah. So they attempted scandal. Now this would work Ooh. for two reasons. First. Uh, was that politicians in the late 1800s still had some sense of shame. It was Victorian yeah. era, too. So and yeah. second, Roosevelt had built his political brand around being squeaky clean, right? So, yeah, there are pretty scummy politicians. What are they going to scandalize him with? So that's the thing. The trap. Tell us. The trap Gould and the other old guard laid for him was to hire a local Albany woman. Ooh. She feigned injury. In front of Roosevelt, so she pretended to slip yeah. and fall in front of him. Trying to she get him begged, with that fucking hero cup, <laughs> and she begged. He has. She begged Roosevelt for help getting home, oh. and Roosevelt was suspecting that something was up. So instead, he calls her a cab, and he puts her in the cab. And upon hearing the address from the woman, he sent a police detective to that address. Whoa. So she's like, you know, I I live at this place, and he goes, yep go on your way, gets the address, goes to the Albany police, and the police found, quote, a whole bunch of men were waiting to spring on him, end quote. Whoa. Gould and Roosevelt would duel again. Wait, wait, wait. Like, sp- like they were going to beat his Yeah, ass? they were going to beat the shit oh. out of him. And they how were... Pro- that, how does that shame yeah. him? Well, yeah, and there was also... They were, they, they were probably going to be sex. like... Yeah, that he went to this woman's home. He's married the right. single woman's oh, home. So, like, right. it's a double-barreled thing. That's pretty thing. scandal. There's, wait, there's a bunch of... Time, time. Yeah. If you, like... At the time, yeah, 
if you like, you know, you hold out your fucking elbow or whatever, yeah. and you're like, now, miss, mm-hmm. hang on to my elbow as mm-hmm. I escort you. You know, mm-hmm. he didn't sound like that, but no. whatever. But like, if you take her up to like the steps and then you walk away, mm-hmm. like they still wouldn't have been able to jump on him yeah. and fuck him up. Like yeah. he might have been just like, yeah. like But I, I imagine, I imagine the plan was then to invite him inside and and so on. Right. right. He he, he short circuited the plan at the beginning. Yeah, and sure. he would have probably even at that yeah. point he'd been like, nah. Yeah. So not everything in Albany was very serious. He would go out with friends from the assembly, though as many recalled, he didn't drink or dance. He loved Alice with an. Did he fight? Did they box? Well, we're gonna. (laughs) 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 He has a he has a state assembly fight club. (laughs) He loved Alice with an intensity that, when combined with his puritanical, somewhat prudish views on sex, precluded even thinking about straying from her. Roosevelt were his prudish views. So, for instance. (laughs) Again, I will not eat an ass. No. I, so, so one Roosevelt. Roosevelt has uh, again no time for like extramarital affairs. Sure. Um, One minute or less. No, no I, I don't think that's it. it. But it's more along the lines of like, um, you know, there's no way getting around this. His first wife dies, right? right? Um, and when he is engaged to his second wife, he confides in a friend. Uh, that the thing that most terrifies him in the world is meeting people that we loved in this life in the next life. Mm. And the idea that if he got remarried, he'd be somehow cheating on hmm. his first wife. Um, that's what know, I mean. He actually didn't know at the time that in heaven, everyone's a swinger. Okay. That's, <laughs> so it's cool. It's cool. So, <laughs> Michael, so Roosevelt, I don't believe that. So, Roosevelt, rarely, dare you. Roosevelt rarely drank uh, after his splitting headache at, at Harvard. So he didn't take too much to get him drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two of his colleagues would recall many decades later, there's this like study. This guy interviewed people who knew Roosevelt while they were in the assembly together. Hmm. And, and this is from that, uh, interview they're describing a wild night out on the town in 1883 and and one of them goes did you ever hear teddy roosevelt sing and and he goes quote well he sang that night on top of the table too and the other one goes with the water bottle do you remember that and then unfortunately they don't elaborate any further like in the in the they're talking to this interviewer and they're like these old guys so they just sort of wander off onto something else and no one and they never go back and and explain like what song did he sing like was that the origin of coyote the inspiration so i have to say i knew somebody like that in peace corps i i don't want to out them or whatever mm-hmm. so i'll just say c uh, i knew this person named c and didn't drink at all mm-hmm. but fucking a were they fun at parties because mm-hmm. like the music would drop or mm-hmm. like the song and they would be just as revved up and mm-hmm. excited as everyone else yeah. or whatever but everyone else is wasted yeah. and making terrible decisions <laughs> and they're like i'm just dancing Woo! Yeah. Right. so Wait so go, a, a, another another fun anecdote that i really enjoyed and i think you guys will as well that roosevelt himself relayed is that there was a, a committee meeting where the chair of the committee was drinking whiskey, just, you know, drinking whiskey while doing this committee chair stuff. Yeah, uh, and he fell asleep while a witness is giving testimony to the committee. Wait, he's, he's, he's drinking whiskey during yes. a committee meeting? And, yes. Okay. And he, I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> now, I'm not okay with the falling asleep. The fuck you're going to drink whiskey, keep your shit together. He just needs to learn. So, so he falls asleep while this guy's giving his testimony. 
and he wakes up and the same guy is still giving his testimony. <laughs> but he doesn't know this. He thinks that this guy has now spoken twice Fuck, to the committee. And he goes, <laughs> he declares, quote, sit down, sir. The dignity of the chair must be preserved. No man <laughs> shall speak to this committee twice. The committee stands adjourned. Do they have a sonographer recording all this? Is that? I don't know if that or if Roosevelt himself, because Roosevelt witnessed this. He was there and he wrote this down. Um, Roosevelt would become famous or infamous for his insults while he was in Albany and in later life. And he didn't swear a lot either. So Roosevelt has to get really creative with his insults. So he said he had no patience for, and I feel attacked by this, uh, quote, the large class of men whose intentions are excellent, but whose intellects are foggy, end quote. Um, and I feel a little uh, like that, but... Uh, you fo- know what? Let's foggy, just take a minute here. foggy intellectual. <laughs> yeah. Michael Sage Scholar, you are not a foggy intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to your average person living today, you're a fucking bright shining star on this planet. Oh. And I was, you know... Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Single tier. Yeah, Single tier. I concur with that um, sentiment. Um, Jared and Teddy Roosevelt, you kind of suck, though. <laughs> yeah, <that's fair. laughs> I, I mean, that's a that's an impossible standard to <clears throat> yeah, hold yeah, oneself yeah. to. I just ask his kids. Um, we'll get to that later. Uh, of He's Jay got Gould's, some fuck ups. Well, you kids. can only ask the one, right? <laughs> so of Jay Gould's of <laughs> Jay Gould's newspaper, The World, he called it quote. Wait, Jay Gould had his own newspaper yeah, as well. Yeah. Because he's, he's a, William Hurst. Yeah, because if if there's one person at this time that was like super ethical and cool, <laughs> it was, was Jay Gould. Who, it was anyone who owned a fucking newspaper. Yeah. So he called, <laughs> but he referred to Jay Gould's newspaper, The World, as quote a local stock jobbing sheet of limited circulation and versatile mendacity. That is the ability to lie. Versatile mendacity. Owned by the arch thief of Wall Street and edited by a rancorous kleptomaniac with a pen uh, with a penchant for trousers because they would make fun of. Roosevelt's style choices in the newspaper. They'd make fun of the way he dressed. Yeah. And so he's like, why are you paying so much attention to my pants? Um, <laughs> was that, was that like a low blow yeah. no, about how turn, you dress? That's yeah. the turnaround yeah. on him, yeah. right? Like, it's like somebody makes fun of the way, like, like oh, nice pants. What mm-hmm. is this, 1992? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, hey, why, why do you care so much about my pants, you fucking weirdo? Yeah. Stop staring at my crotch. Yeah. Like, he did the stop yeah. staring at my crotch uh, yeah. joke of 1880. Yeah, 1883, yeah. something like that. <laughs> wow. My, but my personal favorite, and Adam, you're going to love this. Okay. You're going to love this. Adam Lex. Yeah. I'm gonna While hate. referring to an Irish Democrat, <laughs> <laughs> he called him, and I need you guys to pay real close attention. He called him, quote, the highly improvable, perfectly futile, altogether unnecessary, and totally impossible statesman from Ulster. <laughs> <laughs> what, that, that's a high- long... It's, a long yeah, he called him. He called him Jerry from Rick and Morty. <laughs> 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 like your average dipshit who doesn't matter and no. changes nothing. Yeah. <laughs> wow, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> he rarely apologized for any of this, but when he uh, but he did do so, he insulted a seventy-year-old member of the assembly on the floor, uh, and and the the member was there and got up and was like, "How dare you?" And apparently Roosevelt did apologize. Unfortunately, I don't know what he said. It wasn't written down. I'm he sorry. was like, "I feel like d- they need a website, yeah, the, the, for like it, if you want like." Roosevelt insults like you insert like modern day ones and they will and then, translate like, and they for translate you. oh yeah. I would love that yeah. the, the 70 year old versatile st- men- mendacious <laughs> yeah, versatile mendacity the, the arch se- thief of Wall Street yeah. I like that one the 70 year old stood up and was like you have offended me and he was like it 
Depends on your perspective. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not his insult. Do so, they have those then? Nah. I don't All right. So round two of the Gould Roosevelt battle Cut that out. was fought over the so-called <laughs> five-cent bill. So Gould had been given a contract by the state of New York to run a railway, and he was supposed to charge five cents per fare. Now, because of a loophole, he was allowed to charge ten cents, and Gould kept the profits. And to add insult to injury, he wasn't paying taxes on any of this. Mm. So a bill was introduced to rectify this, and Roosevelt backed it all the way to the assembly, uh, all the way through the assembly to Grover Cleveland's desk. Cleveland vetoed it on the grounds that it was unconstitutional and that it was the government's fault for signing a stupid contract. Uh, in his words, quote, the state must not only be strictly just, but scrupulous, scrupulously fair, end quote. Now, Roosevelt shockingly backed the veto. So Roosevelt had backed the bill all the way to Cleveland's desk. Cleveland vetoes it, says it for his reasons. And Roosevelt's like, yeah, I think, I think the veto is a, a good move. Mm-hmm. And he admitted in public that he was wrong. He, uh, he didn't have to say anything. He could have just, uh, you know, let it go, let it go and, and everything would have been fine. But he, instead, he said, uh, quote, anything, the people that, uh, anything that the people demand that is right, it is most clearly and most emphatically the duty of the legislature to do. But we would never yield to what they demand if it is wrong. I would rather go out of politics having the feeling that I had done what I was right than stay in with the approval of all men, knowing in my heart that I have acted as I ought not to have. Yeah, but mm. it's just one person who rejected it. Yeah, but it basically, but he's saying, you know, the Constitution of New York is like the basic law. This law violates the law, even though it's popular. Like, we can't listen to, if, if he's coming from the, the supposition that the Constitution is right, right? Um, and so <laughs> for those of you just listening, which is everyone, Adam looked at me right after Michael said the supposition that the Constitution is right. Adam looked at me and just shrugged. <laughs> <laughs> you shrugged like an MTV VJ. Like, oh, I guess this is OK. So <laughs> so fucking rules. So, so Gould won. No, but I get what you're yeah. saying. He, mm-hmm. he like, you know, it's not like mob rule has yeah. never like ruined anything yeah. you know what i mean so he's all right yeah man. so and and he's willing to admit, he's willing to change his mind in public right he's willing to say you know like hey i've thought about it more and uh, so gould won this round but roosevelt was continuing to build his brand as a fair but tireless reformer Fucking so it roosevelt advanced one last piece of reform while he was in the new york state assembly he wanted new york city reform at the time the mayor of new york was not a powerful post right um, while the aldermen actually controlled everything in New York City. So Roosevelt's plan would essentially reverse this by making the mayor a near all power, making the mayor nearly all powerful while bypassing the aldermen. Uh, and this to plan, be a mayor dictator? Kind of. The plan was criticized for making the mayor a quote a czar. <laughs> now Roosevelt There's a pretty there's actually a real uh, 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 fine distinction between czar and dictator, mm-hmm. right? Uh, One's in Russia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the last name Romanov. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. otherwise the last name's Stalin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and a dictator <laughs> is the greatest of all the people. Mm-hmm. A czar is not a, a not a person, <laughs> as we've said before. They're a god who lives on Earth, and yeah. so uh, Roosevelt Floats responded to this us. criticism by saying, quote, a czar that will have to be reelected every second year is not much of an autocrat. <laughs> I would rather have a responsible, oli- a, a responsible autocrat than an irresponsible oligarchy. 
end quote. This plan showed Roosevelt's most basic political ideology, a powerful but democratically accountable chief executive. Grover Cleveland vetoed this bill as well. Uh, (laughs) Cleveland, when he was president in his second term, he vetoed more bills in his second term than all of his predecessors combined. Mm. He would work like 16 to 20 hours a day. The state could control like a city government structure like yeah, that. Yeah, they still do that. Yeah. I mean, they most most state. cities and counties their governments exist because the state says they do. Yeah, that, and that's like actually kind of the dark side of states' rights, especially in the modern like context. That's the dark is side that... of states' rights and everything. Right, right. States' rights is just the dark side. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Continue. it's like states' rights are being like, we want you to give us the right to, to tyrannize open. everyone who's not a state under yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so Cleveland would work like sixteen to twenty hour days, um, and basically he he acted as president the way a as like a like a very strict English teacher. He would just read bills uh, and look for all of the mistakes and just mark them up and give them back and be like, next time, don't embarrass yourself. Like uh, that was his veto messages were always very. Like he never vetoed something because like I don't. Cleveland, I, yeah, Cleveland. He oh. never vetoed things because he was like, oh, I don't like you. He would have like freaking doctoral dissertation like about why you were wrong. There's too many commas in the <laughs> yeah. sentence, so send it back. Yeah. Wow, because if there's one type of person who's really likable, it's high school English teacher. <laughs> That's one. Uh, so you people it, who everybody just has good memories of. Yeah, they just <laughs> so so we're somehow coming. managed to vote for him president twice. To, Non-consecutive terms. Yeah. So you my may have captain, noticed... My captain. <laughs> <laughs> That's a See, Robin Williams did, joke. Yeah. Didn't he also like bring in the military to like break a bunch of... Probably. Strikes? Oh, he definitely did that. So you may have noticed that I have not said a huge amount about Alice. There, there are two reasons for this. The first is that by all accounts, she was beautiful, sweet, and charming, but not too terribly bright. And we talked a little bit about that earlier. Uh, Roosevelt's childhood sweetheart, Edith Caro had said that uh, Alice would have bored Teddy to death, which is an unfair and uncharitable statement. Because she uh, bored herself to death. N- no. <laughs> but the, well, <laughs> the second reason is that we don't actually have much um, of Alice Roosevelt's writing. Mm. Um, contrast this to Teddy. We have over 100,000 letters from mm. Teddy Roosevelt. He wrote over 100,000 letters in his lifetime, and we have most of them. Um, Theodore nearly erased Alice from history. He destroyed the letters between them, most of his diary entries about her, burned most of the photographs After of her. After she died? Yes. He even tore out portions of his Harvard yearbook that mentioned her. What? what how, how did she die? We're going, I'm going to explain that. Okay. Stop it. Don't so, do that anymore, Adam. <laughs> so in the summer of 1883, Alice discovered that she was pregnant. Theodore was overjoyed. It became clear that the baby was going to be due in February. Roosevelt was almost certain that they would come on February 14th, Valentine's Day, and the anniversary of his engagement to Alice. However, being the workaholic that he was, Roosevelt left for Albany on February 12th, believing that he would be back in time for the birth of the baby. He was wrong. Alice Lee Roosevelt, that's his daughter, was born on February 13th, 1884. A telegram arrived on the floor of the house congratulating Roosevelt. The assembly cheered. Handshakes were given all around, and the house continued with its business. A little later, a second telegram arrived. This one drained the color from Roosevelt. His wife was sick, and his mother was dying. Roosevelt immediately left on a train for New York City. But fog slowed the pace. 
The ride that should have lasted about two hours lasted nearly six. When he made it home, his brother Elliot told him, quote, There's a curse on this house. Mother is dying and Alice is dying too, end quote. Alice was suffering from what was called Bright's disease, a kind of kidney failure. We're not actually sure what it was. She was semi in a semi-comatose state, and she barely recognized her beloved Titi. His mother, Mitty, was dying of typhoid fever. Roosevelt spent the night racing between his wife and his mother. On February 14th, at 3 a.m., Mitty Roosevelt died. At 2 p.m. on February 14th, Alice Roosevelt died. Wow. He would never mention Alice to anyone, including the daughter who bore her name. Roosevelt wrote in his diary that day, quote, the light has gone out of my life. End quote. Is that where you ended this fucking episode on? <laughs> it is. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no way around it. That was going to be a tragedy. Yeah. Okay, you're like, I'm building up towards it. You're like, yeah. don't ask me how she died. <laughs> hey, stop. That's the grand finale. Yeah. Like, yeah, stop, guys. <laughs> I'm building up to a comedy finale. <laughs> like, no one's ever I, seen. And I, mic drop. I and, started <laughs> with the death of Abraham Lincoln, and I ended with the death of his first wife. Oh, wow. Just bracketed in death. Yeah. Book ended that mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. yeah. What he, I just I do find it interesting that he burned all her let like mm-hmm. like like a, it it was either mm-hmm. like I it's too painful for me to see or read yeah. any of this yeah. or her last words were like fuck your mother <laughs> no it was so burn everything like, I don't even know how to deal with this emotionally so so it's definitely the I, I know I know it's a it's a good joke but it's definitely oh. the first okay. uh, which is that you know again. And and if we do a second episode, which I, I kind of I, I, I want to do, uh, but it, well, it, <laughs> <laughs> and it know, never again, happened. I'm holding. You, I, remember, I'm holding you guys hostage. Yeah, you <laughs> really are. Uh, you, 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 but, we're at the mercy of Doctor Sage Scholar. The four, the six, <laughs> <laughs> the six. <laughs> so the he's, he's going to be like the millionth by no, the what, end. Of you know what I'm going to do? What I'm going to do is, uh, do you remember back in December? There was a uh, the German police arrested a bunch of people who were like preparing to stage a coup mm-hmm. in Germany. Oh yeah, and they were gonna like have this like prince, this random German prince take oh, over the country. That? I don't know. And he was like Prince Heinrich the Thirteenth or whatever. Mm. But his family, his royal, this the family he belongs to, names the first son of every single family the same thing, and then they start over in each new century in the numbering. So, like, Napoleon fought one of his ancestors, whose name was, like, Heinrich the 98th, because they fought him in 1798 in Italy. Uh, and so this family just names all of the sons. All the sons get the same like first that name. that old of a family. Yeah, they've been around for hundreds of years, but they just, they name all of their sons the same thing, and they just give them a new number. And then at the end of the century, they start the numbering over wow. again. Well, as we know, history has been accelerating. So the new Heinrich is Heinrich thirty-one point five seven point three. Exactly. They've had to, yeah, they had to put versioning. Yeah. So, <laughs> for like upgrades, yeah, yeah, yeah. upgrade yeah. your aristocracy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's uh, little uh, tweaks. You have by to Habsburg two point oh. Yeah. This time with half the inbreeding. Um, <laughs> So Windows 90 Reich. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so 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 Roosevelt, you know, would never would never mention her again. Um 
and and it messes it really does mess with the relationship he has with his daughter because mm-hmm. he never talks about her mom to her really and she has the same name and like you know they needed some therapy like they needed to sit down and was talk she the about one who it. was like kind of the badass she was about? she was basically well all of his kids are really seriously like theodore roosevelt the third theodore roosevelt jr uh, who we could do a whole episode on as well. Like, We're gonna fought at <laughs> fought at Normandy. Like landed at Utah oh. Beach as like a forty five year old. Like wow. he'd been gassed in World War One. Like he oh. he was a he was a badass. He actually and and at Normandy he earned so many honor points he was able to call in an airstrike. That's how it works. <laughs> well, in he landed Call like with like a can- <laughs> and he landed knowing he was suffering from heart disease. Whoa. Like he dies in Normandy and he like doesn't reveal it to anyone because he knows they'll send him home. And he's like, I don't want to be sent home. I want to. I want to. I want to be with. I want to be a blaze with, of glory. Yeah, I, want to I be haven't with the boys. killed enough krauts yet. Yeah, <laughs> I've done it in two wars and Never two enough. on three continents, <laughs> and you know, come on, Nazi. four dozens. One, yeah, he's, <laughs> well, he's, he's collecting fought, Nazi scalps. Yeah, a, he fought in North scalps. Africa and Sicily. What Nazi scalps? Yeah. Scalps. Yeah, yeah, scalps. 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 Uh, I want my scalps. I want one hundred Nazi scalps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Brad Pitt, for being Southern for like, <laughs> just a minute. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, and uh, you know, one of his sons helped him explore the Amazon rainforest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Alice Roosevelt, uh, there, there's a theory that basically uh, she was too much like him, and and his views on gender didn't like allow her to like fully embrace how much like him she was. So well, it mean, kind of drove him nuts. She was uh, tomboyish. Not like, and that she was outspoken and you assertive. Know, assertive. Wanted and, to make yeah, her own yeah. rules. Yeah, her not own feminine. Property, yeah. yeah, have agency not over her own body. Yeah. 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 yeah, and it and it drove him a little batty nuggets occasionally. <laughs> he once like, he once oh, said, he once "You have said, all the same uh, desires for independence that, that I, I do, do. Yeah. but you're a woman." Yeah. <laughs> he once <laughs> said, oh! <laughs> 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 like, "He was like head explodes." I'm sorry. As president, he once said, I can run the country or I can control Alice, but I can't do both. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, that wasn't that meme I say. Yeah. Isn't it weird that, like, I'm starting to have sexual feelings for Alice? But, yeah, no, um, so, so he, he just sort of buried it. He didn't, he didn't want to ever mm-hmm. talk about it ever again. And, and, um, you Sounds know. like a very American Protestant thing to do. Oh, like and it's very Victorian. Victorian, yeah. like bury those feelings. Yeah. Well, and he would say he, he there was a saying. There's a quote from him that um, black care rarely sits behind a writer whose pace is fast enough. Right. The idea that if you keep doing stuff, if you keep moving, if your pace is fast enough, you'll outrun depression. Wowzers, uh, yeah. that sounds bad. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep, uh, yep, yep. That's like half the comedians. You're like, if I <laughs> like if I stop performing, this shit's gonna yeah. get bad. That's the kind of thing you say to your therapist and they're like uh, <laughs> they don't even know. Uh, Alright. Yeah. So, so is that is that part two? Yeah, that's the end of that's the end of our part two. That's the end of part two, guys. Uh, yeah, and that's that's the end of our show. That's for the end of our show. Historically, once yeah. Mm-hmm. Once again, part like two. And subscribe, like and subscribe. Yeah, we got Instagram and Twitter. Laughing hist h i s t. Follow us for all the good stuff. Yeah, and leave a review. Yeah, yeah. Even, if, even if it's a shitty one at this or, point, or, I'm or like, even no, like, or even like ask a question. Like you know, yeah. that would be fun. I wouldn't uh, mind answering questions. 
or attempting to. It's actually his favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) When I was was a teacher, I uh, would play a a review game that I would do is a game called Stump the Teacher. And so what we would do is right before the test, I'd say say to the class, you can ask me any question you want about the the topic that you're about to take a test on. And uh, if I get the answer right, you just, you know, have learned the thing again right before you take the test. But if I can't answer it, you get one point of extra credit. And Michael uh, was undefeated. I was. I never (laughs) gave out any extra credit. Not once. Not once. That that was a good idea as a teacher. That was 80% a good idea and 20% your ego being like, yo, yo. Yeah, I just just dunked on a bunch of 13-year-olds on this subject. I have two bachelor's degrees in. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Sage Scholar, we don't like this. This is so bad. All right, I'll probably cut that. That's been our show. That's our show.